0: Internets, this week's episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by Bevel. Start shaving smarter with the first and only shaving system designed for coarse curly hair and sensitive skin. Order your Bevel razor today by going to GetBevel.com and use the promo code COMBAT to get 20% off your first month. That's GetBevel, dot com. Stop shaving like a wimp and shave like a boss.
1: Be ready for combat.
0: There's no escaping. No Get ready for combat. Get ready for combat. Yeah. The Combat Jack Radio Show. Stands. The signature fade with the bevel blade. And yo, internets, so you tune into the Combat Jack Show. CombatJackShow.com. Yo, buddy, man, I'm so excited, man! I spoke to the boss, Tristan Walker, man. We getting that package. We getting that new lightsaber. Internet, <laughs> y'all seen that lightsaber? You seen that trimmer, that bevel trimmer? Y'all hear that song? Y'all hear that Nas song? Yo, is Nas not the fuck woke right now? Oof. Yo, I cannot wait to hear what Mr. Jones has to say on this new album. New album done, right? Yo, man, I just saw the movie also. Um, The Land. Um, I think it was executive produced by um, Nas, um, Erica Badu is in it, a whole bunch of other people. It's, it's worth seeing, man. It's definitely worth seeing. So, so little homie, stop losing, man. He's winning, man. I got, I got a special announcement coming up soon re- with regard to the little homie. But I keep that on the low though. Listen, this is a very special episode. This man right here is a repeat guest on the Combat Jack Show. He's here to spread knowledge and wisdom, and you know, dispel all of these notions of fuckery and ratchetry. That you, that you, common internets, are so comfortable to dwell. Yo, hold up! Before I make, this, what's up, King? How you doing, man? Grab that mic, man. Is that mic on? Touch that mic, yo, man. Just, yo, just jump yo. on, man. Don't, don't take time, man. Don't what's put good? no what's oils good? on. What's, what's up, good? man? What's up, King? How you doing, sir? Chilling, man. You, you, you just caught me. I'm in the middle of this introduction of this esteemed, of our esteemed colleague right here, man. You know, I, I, this guy always makes me feel smarterer. Yo, without further ado, man, let's welcome to the Combat Jack Show. Dr. Mark Lamont Hill. What's up?
2: What's up, OG? Man, I'm glad to be
0: back. Thank you. Do I have to call you doctor, man? I hate being called doctor. You hate being called doctor? I, you ain't
2: never seen me. I don't, I don't tell people to call me doctor. I don't write it nowhere. People write it for me, but I don't do it, man.
0: But do you ever get insulted when certain people don't call you doctor?
2: Never. Only time I don't like it, honestly, if I'm in a room full <laughs> of people, and they call everybody doctor but me.
0: What kind of people?
2: Usually. But only, only white people do that. <laughs> so this what, white people do it in, to my exclusion. They be right. like... Hi, Dr. Smith, Dr. Jones, Mark, Mark. or Mr. Hill, Mr. Hill. Like, Damn, I went to the same school they went to. <laughs> but you know, other than that, I don't trip, man. I don't care.
0: Yo, congratulations on this book, man. Nobody.
2: Oh, thanks, Casualties
0: is America of America's war on the vulnerable, from Ferguson to Flint and beyond. Yeah, that's a very heady title.
2: Yeah, it's a long ass title too. I told my people make it shorter. They ain't hear me though. But
0: I like nobody.
2: So do I. Yeah. So can we call it nobody? We can call it nobody. That's Yo, what I call it. I
0: just read the book, man. I read, I read it from cover to cover. Thank you. Um, I mean that's what we do here.
2: That's that's, that's why you a legend because you actually <laughs> do the research and do the work. No, because you 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 sit with people that haven't seen your show or haven't read your book and they'll try to interview you. On. Right. I, I hate I,
0: that. You, shit. you were telling me that you were sitting down with some people and they yeah. were trying to fake through.
2: Yeah, dude, it was like you should really think about this when you talk about Baltimore. There's a great film you should see. I was like, yeah, I, I quote the film <laughs> int- intensely. In the end notes and in the book, man. You know, but other than that, man, it's 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 good, man. Yo,
0: I'm, I'm blown away, man, because um, I'm not going to say it, it it wasn't an easy reading, but this was some intense shit in here, man. I,
2: I was trying to strike a balance between making a book that is accessible, so it's not an academic book. Like, people can read it. Right. I tried to make it writerly so that people could could feel the prose and feel the stories that I'm telling, especially at the beginning of the chapters, you know. Right. But at the same time, I wanted to make readers stretch just a little bit um, because— there's no way to analyze a problem without being rigorous and thoughtful, and that's what I try to do in the book. A
0: problem of this of this magnitude, exactly. too, man. We're talking about the American problem, man. Exactly. Um, and and thematically, the book kind of reads like a uglier, more insidious version of of Harlan Ellison's Invisible Man.
2: Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, I I, I think for me, um, this notion of uh, Ellison's notion of invisibility or any notion of invisibility. Um, is part of what it means to be black in America, right? You know, um, you're unseen, right? I'm I'm saying, yeah, there are moments where we're completely unseen. When they think when they think about democracy in America, they wouldn't think about us, right? Every man created equal. They not they couldn't see us, right? At least not at the level of our humanity. They saw us right. as slave labor. They saw us as as, as chattel. chattel. yeah. But they damn sure didn't see us as 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 people. And I'm saying it's it's, it's not just that we're invisible. But when we are visible, we are, we are susceptible to so many forms of violence. Yes. Right? We see you, and so we're going to kill you. We right. see you, we're going to erase you.
0: Right. We see you suffering, right. but we're going to ignore your suffering. Right.
2: Or justify it. Right. They're lazy. They're stupid. They're violent. Yeah. They're hypersexual. Of course it's going to happen. And they don't vote. Whatever the narrative is, that becomes the reason why we get subjected to forms of social misery and even civic evil. Because you can't talk about Flint, Michigan. We're talking about civic
0: evil. Oh, yeah. That's evil, man. It's evil. It's evil.
2: And that's what we're trying you, to do. You,
0: you can't talk about. Baltimore, you can't talk about any of these incidences that that these recent incidents that 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 are happening yeah. in, in, in current American society as 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 non evil this shit is evil. This is evil shit, man. What was the purpose of you writing this, man? You was know, it, was I, it just a check? <laughs> did you did they put that check in front of Let you? Let me tell
2: you something, man. Mark. Yeah, I, I mean, I ain't gonna lie. I got a check, <laughs> you know. But I get a uh, checky check. Yeah, it's a nice check. But <laughs> I tell you something. There there are bigger checks to be written yes. than this. Yes. Yes. It's funny when I went to write the book. In fact. I was going to write a political book, like a straight, you know, 2016 election kind of book. And when you look at the New York Times bestseller list this week or or last week or probably uh, next week as well, the books that are at the top of the list are like How to Beat Trump, Mm. The Secret of the Clintons, stuff that is like red meat. And I could have written one of those books. I could have easily written one of those books. Um, Those are, they don't take long to write. All I got to do is say the same shit I say on CNN, just give my opinion. Your opinion. Exactly. Put my face on the cover like, like Ann Coulter and them do. Right. You know, and sell it to people who already agree with what I think, and I would have because made- it's
0: a built-in audience, built-in audience,
2: right? And every TV show I go on, I could sell that book, and I could have made a lot of money. I would got a, I probably got twice as big a check, right? And I thought about writing that book. I wrote a proposal for that book, and then I talked to folk. and I talked to one, I talked to a friend of mine. Um, actually I actually talked to India Re about it, and, and and she said, you know, you got to write the book that that your spirit is telling you to right. write. Right. She said because if you don't write the book that your spirit tells you to write. Even if you get a check, you won't be satisfied. Um, she's a better person than I am. I probably could have got the check and been satisfied. Right, but, right. No, but no, I seriously. No, she's I, more morally woke. She's morally right. She woke. She's just woke. I ain't woke like that. You know what I mean? Um, no, but like seriously, I, I, she was right. I, I wouldn't have slept well. Right. Um, this book, I was called to write it when I went down to Ferguson. I, 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 I got there August 10th. Uh, Mike Brown killed August 9th, 2014. I got there August 10th. And as I stood there, you could still see bloodstains on the ground. You still saw the quick trip uh, down the street by the end of the week was, was burnt to burnt the ground. Down, right. You know, you see, thank you, black Twitter written on the, on the ground out there from, cause there was not, thank just, you, black Twitter. Thank you, black Twitter. Cause right. it, was, it was digital activism. It was on the ground, concrete activism. Right. And right. all this stuff was happening. And I was talking to people about what happened. And I asked this, I said, what happened, man? And then she described it. I could feel the trauma. Right. She, she described it as, you know, this boy laying on the ground for four hours. she, covering his body right. eventually, but not all the way. right.
0: And yeah. he had been out there for what, like four? Four, four hours. Four hours, And His
2: blood going through steaming the— Steaming heat. Steaming heat, 95 degrees outside. Right. There's blood in the, in the concrete. Right. Bugs flying around. Little kids, six years old. Like seven, he
0: was deer, like, like, like roadkill.
2: Or as Keisha said, the woman who I spoke to, like he ain't belong to nobody. Right. Like he ain't belong to nobody. And so that idea of him not belonging to nobody— became the thing that made me want to tell the story of Mike Brown and Ferguson. And that's all I wanted to do was tell the story of Mike Brown and Ferguson. And I was saying that everything that happened to Mike Brown and Ferguson was bigger than just the interaction between Darren Wilson and Mike Brown. Of course. It was about the police force. It was about local policing. It was about the school system. It was about public housing. It was about jobs leaving. It was about all this other stuff. And I wanted to just tell that story. And as I began to tell that story and write about that story, I even wrote a proposal for that story. I then... It would have been a study on Ferguson, on Ferguson, complete
0: story. On yeah, Ferguson.
2: And, and then I would have gone deep around what happened in right. Ferguson, and then Daniel Pantaleo doesn't get indicted for killing Eric Garner.
0: Eric Garner, right?
2: And then you know, I I, I heard about uh, what happened with Tamir Rice. Yes. You know, and and then you know, Freddie Gray died. Yes. And 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 Walter Scott gets shot in the back, running right. away. Right. And Sandra and Bland and is then, found and hanging then, and, then, yeah. and then and then and, and then and then and all those and then ends, and ends. I was like, you know, I, this ain't a story about Mike Brown. Right. This is a story about state violence across the board. So I wanted to tell Systemic. Yeah. Right. It's so not
0: said, rare incidents. No,
2: not rare. It's systemic. And then I want to say that in the same way that Mike Brown's story was undergirded by a lot of other stuff, so was Sandra Bland. Right. So was Walter Scott. So was Catherine Johnson in Atlanta, the right. 90-year-old woman who got door, got kicked in, and she got right. killed by oh, this, this woman that just got killed
0: this week. Yeah. And, and a five-year-old son got shot. Right. They they shooting right. five year olds. I mean, I knew they were shooting twelve year
2: olds. The,
0: they shooting five year olds right now. The
2: problem is they can't tell the difference. Right. That's part mm-hmm. of the problem, right? Study Stanford study shows Philip did The study showed black kids are seen as older and more guilty than their white counterparts. Yes. So when they see Tamir Rice, they really do think he's twenty. Right. They really do think he's twenty one. So That's the
0: five year old must look fifteen.
2: I guess. God damn. Old enough. Yeah. Right. So at that point, is, is he
0: all right? right now? Have you Have you heard anything recently? He's as I
2: was saying, he's in critical condition. Right. Critical. Damn. Yeah. And and so. After all of that, I said, man, I have to tell this story. It's a deeper story. It's going to take more work. It's going to take a lot more research. But this story will help us understand the moment we're in and prepare us, I think, to analyze but also act. And that's what I wanted to do. Yo,
0: listen, man. The the the, the, the thing that the, the items that you research, your, your pages of reference is a book in and of, of itself, <laughs> man. How long does this book take you to write, man? Bro,
2: uh, uh, from, from August 9th, August 10th, 2014. You know, I started scribbling stuff out, but I probably went hard toward the end. of t- Probably about a year. Uh, yeah, okay. Probably about, it wasn't super. Once I lock in, I'm good. But it took me a long time to do. I, the problem is, I read everything. Right. I read four or five books a week anyway. So suddenly, I took like six months where all I read was on every chapter. You could see I was reading about everything. I read the history of, of public housing, the yes. history of of Emerson, the history yes. of St. Louis. Then I go to the next chapter and study everything I could about. Con- I felt like a constitutional lawyer by the right. end of a chapter. Three.
0: Does a book like this? Weigh on you though emotionally, yeah, spiritually, yeah, yeah, because the shit is is, is is fucking depressing,
2: man. It's so heavy,
0: and 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 the subject matter, and 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 we'll get into it. But so, what do you do to counter the heaviness, man? You
2: find some joy, man. Yeah. You know, while I was writing this book, I also found time to travel. I found time to play basketball. I found time to breathe. I found time to to laugh. I yeah. Found time to drink. Yes, you know, um,
0: it's funny when I when I when I mention. To, to my all my women friends that you're going to be on the show. <laughs> they all unanimously say, oh, that's Bay." Yeah. So, I mean, I you know, yeah.
1: before we get it, right? I got a text this morning and said, when are you guys going to... I said, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my question, because they've
0: been asking me, like, what, what type of women do you like, man? <laughs> like, did you get into that to, like, lighten your mood also? Um...
2: I don't
3: know
0: if you I was you lay down like, some foundation for the next I didn't get into women generation. to lighten my
2: mood, but <laughs> I did date. I, I think I had a girlfriend last time I was here. Okay. and uh, So you and
0: couldn't I, as speak as freely?
2: Well, no, I just wasn't doing nothing. I was right. actually I actually am pretty good about that. I'm right. very good about that. I don't, I'm not a cheater. But once we broke up, uh, I, I dated a little bit, yeah. Okay. And, and I date all kinds of women, man. Hotep women?
0: Nah, man. <laughs> you, don't, you, know, you don't fuck with them hotels. I, 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 you oh, you're breaking a lot of hearts right
2: now. No, no, no. See, I, I, for me, hotel means something different than it might mean for you. Okay. I date... What does it mean to you? I to me, hotep is, is this pejorative term for people who have a very narrow idea of what it means to be conscious. And they tend to also be homophobic and sexist. And okay, they tend to be okay, very, read a very narrow body of right, work. Right, right. And I don't like the term hotep. I think the term hotep is offensive right. to our African tradition.
0: That's true. I don't, I, I well, it, it is an actual term that we've kind of used loosely to define
1: a certain type of people. Because right. of what you see, though. It's not It's not necessarily... Because those people walk up to you and say,
2: Hotep, brother, and that's the only word of African language not they shame. might know, right. But the <laughs> problem is, Hotep is out of our tradition. Yes. And I don't want to take a, an African term and an Africa, and make it negative. We right. have enough African terms that have been turned negative. Yes, True. and I don't want enough. And I don't want to mock the African centered traditions. Right. I don't want to mock the John Henry Clark tradition because it's beautiful. Yes. I don't want to mock the, the Arturo Schomburg or Dr. Ben or Dr. Ben. You know what I'm saying? Yes I, I don't want to mock those traditions. Uh, Marimba Ani or Malefia Asante, I don't. I don't want to mock those people because there are other traditions that make a mockery of it. Right. But, but to your point about the sisters, no, I mean, I date, I, date, I, I, I prefer to date sisters with natural hair. I prefer mm-hmm. to date sisters that have, that acknowledge of self and that are conscious. Um, but conscious can look a lot of different ways. Right. And as I get older, I understand that. Uh, it's like, it's like Dre used to say, uh, is it every nigga with dreads for the, yeah, you know I mean? for the cause, <laughs> everything will with <laughs> right, gold right, for the right, fall? Right. No. Like, shit is more complicated than right, that. And right. as I, I've learned that as I got older.
0: Is it a fine line between like the, an academic sister? And a sister that's you know like just hustling in the street like I'm
2: smart I, 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 I've done I've done it. I, I've, I've dated all of that. Right. You know I've dated academic sisters and, and sometimes it's great. It's great to have people you can sometimes talk to. sometimes that shit
1: gets boring though, right? Like, yeah, and sometimes because don't quote me, sister. Right? Because I also have because <laughs> I also have interests
2: outside of academia. Right. So and sometimes they're very narrow. Not right. all of them. Some are okay. dope. Some are dope. So I've dated um, I've dated school teachers. Yes. I dated uh, I dated. Did uh, you ever date a police officer? Never, I would never do that. You would
0: never date a police officer. Fuck no! Seriously, <laughs> no. Just imagine the discourse. Yeah, th- imagine I, the sexual I, tension, <laughs> Mark.
2: <laughs> you wild that. That, that? That's that's something I couldn't do. Okay, that that's that's right. a no. That's an absolute.
0: But no. when you see that, like as a challenge to help them see the light. Um, if she was bad, if you've seen her in the club and she was
2: bad. And then you know, later on I found out she, she was police, a police officer and she showed you that badge. I think it would be a long-term problem. Right. I'll, just, I'll say that. <laughs> long-term, it wouldn't be sustainable. Right, right. I can't speak to the club. Yes. I can't speak to the, the after party. But I will say <laughs> that long-term, it wouldn't be sustainable. Because okay. okay. I, I, I have an ideological difference with anybody who represents the state in that way. Right.
0: That, that's dope, man. So, so basically, you're saying you're on the market right now.
2: Um, I wasn't saying that, nah. Oh. I was saying that you know I have dated different types of yes d- different types of women. Okay, and, you know life is good. So
0: we'll leave this to the interpretation of the women out there that's listening to this episode.
2: <laughs> I don't think it's that many women interested in, in whether I'm single or not. Hey, I think they're more they interested in this book. Nobody. Stop. Casualties of uh, war. Stop. 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 Pop your collar. Pop your, your collar,
0: doctor. <laughs> 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 Yo, let's get into this book, man. Um, in the very beginning of the book, man, you go into the origins of the Black migration. Yeah. Into Ferguson, Missouri, and and it and it's very detailed and it's very historical. Why is that important?
2: Yeah, and that's probably the heaviest chapter in the sense, the dense. I
0: mean, that's that's a that's a that's a hell of an introduction to the book.
2: Yeah, I, and I worried this. It might scare some people away, but I, I mean,
0: that's when I said, "Oh shit, this like is a, a fucking book. A book,"
2: right? Yeah, no, I tried to get busy in that chapter, but yeah, you I, got busy. I, I think I think it's important to understand it because. Ferguson doesn't just happen. Mike Brown doesn't just happen. Before, te- te- Ferguson itself is a product right. of, of housing patterns yes. and migration patterns. Remember, we started in the South and we moved to places like...
0: Post, post-slavery, post yeah. Jim Crow and everything.
2: Yeah, you have this great migration. We started moving north and, and white folks started moving out. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Black folk moved the great migration. Then you had what we call white flight. White folk leave these urban centers and go to the suburbs. And we incentivize white people to go to the suburbs. Right. They created tax relief they created they moved the factories out there they did all kinds of stuff um and it becomes a very interesting and complicated thing and and for people of ferguson and the black folk who were pushed out of st louis and pushed out to other places one of the places they went was ferguson that's also important because we often talk about the suburbs as if they're always good things to be but not all suburbs are nice right and there's a suburbanization of poverty so a lot of times you'll see impoverished areas being uh suburban areas so there's that after the, in the book, I talk not just about how people moved to Ferguson, how people moved to the St. Louis area, but I talk about how the jobs were there because of the factory. And this is how America used to work. There was a big factory, was Emerson Electric. They were making war war materials and stuff like that. Then they started making uh, HVAC stuff. And to yeah, and they expanded. But then eventually, like a, a lot of corporations, including Donald Trump's, they decided you we're gonna go and we we going outsource yeah, the labor. We're gonna, we're gonna yeah. go out of the country. So now, if you got a town that's built around this factory, and then the factory leaves. People ain't got no jobs, right. you know what I mean. And then you had the public housing problem, right? The crisis of pruitt Igo. and you had all this other stuff happening. Where basically, long story short, it was a failed experiment.
0: And, and, and but so, it was it was seen as like this utopian project, yeah. When you you mentioned something about the elevators, yeah. One yeah. every Skip-stop Skip elevators. stop elevators, right. Skip-stop Going to these right. you know idyllic floors, yeah. which is
2: crazy, and it just didn't work out, right? And but before you knew, and it was supposed to be create diversity, but it created really de facto segregation again. Right. One Pruitt was one for one, I goes for the other, and what you end up with. It's a worse problem than you started with. And so by the time you get to a Mike Brown 30 years later, 40 years later, 50 years later, you have a town that has been isolated. The resources have been depleted. Public housing has been broken. The Normandy school district is one of the worst in the country. And he's stuck there. So by the time Mike Brown is, 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 is about to go to college or whatever he's about to do, he just graduated from Normandy High School. He's sitting there. He's already been rendered nobody right. by the state, by the school district by the medical staff, by everybody. So Darren Wilson's bullet was the last piece of a of a long process.
0: And it's interesting because you even you even write that even if that incident never took place, even if Mike Brown never met Darren Wilson, even if Mike Brown was not murdered in cold blood yeah. by Darren Wilson, it's most likely that he would have had some type of encounter with the criminal justice system sometime in the near, in the near future of his life.
1: That
2: sentence broke my heart to write, um, and I really struggled with it. Um, I wrote it and rewrote it. And I was like, is this true? And I was like, there's no way it's not. And basically, statistically, yeah, it just is right. That Mike Brown, Freddie Gray, Trayvon Martin, even if they hadn't been killed, they likely would have ended up in jail at some point or under criminal supervision at some point or in police custody at some point. And it's not because they're criminals or prone to criminality or because they're bad people or because they're evil people. It's because that's where we end up based on a system that is designed to produce that outcome.
0: And the system feeds on these nobodies. The system feeds, it has to feed,
2: it has to feed on somebody. That's it. it And who's it going to feed on? The vulnerable.
0: Yo, this statistic that you threw out fucked me up, man. You said it's crazy that out of 20,000 residents in Ferguson, 16,000 at the time of your writing had some form of outstanding... Arrest warrant. sixteen thousand out of 20, like that. That means like four thousand people have no like don't, right. don't have that issue.
2: It would have been like just you. You'd right. have been good. Yeah. The rest of us, you know,
0: I might not could have been good too. I've I've owed some tickets. I like, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> and that's how it works. It's a business, right? They have they have turned criminalization into a business, right? And the mark and, and the again this is speaks to a bigger problem of the market. Everything has been placed on the market. Everything has been assigned a value. The public good has been subordinate to subordinated to the private interest so what happens is in a place like Ferguson the law the criminal justice system just becomes another place to make money the only place that a poor town makes money and the police become nothing but real t- really tax collectors, right you know whether whether it's
1: tax collectors with guns yeah tax collectors with guns
2: and people don't like tax collectors or guns so then you, you have this antagonistic relationship between police and community because they see them as leeching off of them and, and exploiting them even further
0: you know you, you also go into this other concept man that that I think is pretty interesting where you kind of give Darren Wilson, the benefit of the doubt and not necessarily mm. say that he might not be a racist, but he acted out of a sense of post intentional racism.
2: Right. My point. What, what is that? So I, I, and I borrow that term as a cite in the book from Imani Perry, professor yes. at Princeton University. And the point is that we often think about racism as this foaming at the mouth, angry white supremacist who thinks that, you know, all niggers should die. But do we
0: really, I mean, us as black people that know what the issue is, do we really think about it like, because I don't see it like that anymore.
2: No, but but I think we're beginning to nuance our thinking right. around this. Right. But at the very least, we still think about it at the level of intention. This person might not admit it, but they still think this. They still don't, trust me, they still don't do this because I'm black. Right. And I'm saying that it might be more complicated than that. that e- Darren Wilson may, for example, Darren Wilson may not have left his house that morning or even driven down uh, Florissant Avenue saying, I'm going to kill a black person or that I don't like black people. He just don't like criminals. The problem is whenever he sees black people, he's conditioned to see them as through the lens of criminality. Right. Right. So for him, it's not, it doesn't matter whether he actually believes, if you strap into a, to a, to a lie detector test and said, do you think black people are inferior? He might pass it. If you strap into a thing and said, do you, do you hate black people? And he says, no, he might pass it, yeah. right? It's, it's not about his intention. It's about the fact that our cultural norms, our social norms are engineered in such a way that you always that blackness is always uh, rendered marginal. It's always rendered criminal. It's always rendered uh, uh, problematic. It's always rendered less intelligent. And and, and at, to, at the level of the officer, he ain't thinking all people are bad. He's just saying this criminal's is bad. Right. It just so happens that all the people he thinks are bad happen to look like Mike Brown. Right, right, right. I don't doubt that George Zimmerman really thought he was in danger. I don't doubt that he really saw that hoodie and saw violent clothing. The problem is that same hoodie draped over a white body would have prompted a different response. Of course. And so, and, and you're a lawyer, you know, the reasonable man standard, right?
0: This, but what is a reasonable man when it comes to race in America and that's and, the, and, and law and order?
2: And that's There's the no
0: reasonable, because because when I look at these instances, right. they're not acting reasonable to me.
2: But because you're looking at it through the lens, your lens, right? right. And, and other people look at it through their lens. The problem is the normalized position, the normative position is that of the white person. In other words, th- when we're sitting in that jury box... And we say, well, what would the reasonable person do under the, under the circumstances that George Zimmerman were under? A whole bunch of white folk are like, shit, if I saw Mike Brown, I'd kill him, too. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. If I saw Trayvon, like, I, like running up on me or...
2: Right, uh, re, I'd kill him, re, re, too.
0: Re, yeah, he should have listened to what I said.
2: Right. So what happens is, even though there was no reason to kill him... Right. It doesn't matter because the reasonable man, i.e., the, 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 the white, anxious, the, the anxious white American... Anxious, fearful. Fearful, white American... Would do it right. So what happened? And and, and some Negroes too. Now don't get me wrong. Of uh, course, for light, us, light yeah, up, I mean, but, shit. I, I shot mean, y'all
0: on, on on any given night, right?
2: In
1: East
0: New York, you be see, you'd be like, hey, be, right. safe, be right. safe though, right? Exactly.
2: <laughs> Jesse Jackson said one time. He said, "I'm ashamed to admit that when I walk and I hear footsteps behind me, I turn yeah. around. I'm relieved to see it's a white person." Right, right. So if uh, that's, shit, the, I wouldn't say that, but no, but, but don't mean don't mean we ain't thinking don't it. Mean it on we don't think night. right. right. Yeah. We've all been conditioned. Exactly, and that's the point. And so what happens is the it creates two problems. One. You can't – that juror now is making an honest assessment of what they would do under those circumstances, and they don't realize, again, at the level of intention that is racist. The second thing that it means is that the law isn't engineered to create justice. Right. Because the law – legally, it fits – it's perfect. Legal ethics say, yeah, it's the right thing to do. Juror did the right thing. He should – jurors would have done the same thing. Juror of his peers would do the same thing. There's no morality. No.
0: When it comes down to the letter of the law.
2: That's exactly right. Right. So what we do is we codify – irrational white supremacist anxiety about black
0: people right and are these notions of like uh post-intentional racism are they too complex or too advanced for like the white majority to even understand or comprehend are we are we too are we too i mean is this too heavy for them to understand
2: it depends on how you talk about it right right? so i I think the way to talk about it with them is is to point out examples right so you say you guys think this hoodie is as Gerardo Rivera said, as Fox News said, as other people said, you, you said this hoodie made him more, uh more um aroused reasonable suspicion. Or it made him more suspicious. Right. That same hoodie is worn by kids at Columbia University right. all year round. Are they suspicious? Right. So when you point out the difference, it's like, oh shit. I guess, I guess, the, so it's not the hoodie, that, the hoodie's the same. It's the body it's over that's different. When they see that example, they understand it a little bit differently. When you show them the studies where we're, where we're more quick, to shoot a black person and a white person under certain circumstances or we're more likely to view a black person as dangerous versus a white person, they can see that and they can see the result of it. When you watch the videos of police wrestling guns from white citizens who are Who's angry, already popped off at them. Right. Right. Meanwhile, this this guy has a gun in his pocket that's legal and registered and they're shooting And he's him. trying to explain to you. And he told you he got right, one. Right, right. People who want to shoot you don't tell you they got one. Right. Not to the police. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the difference in treatment, they can see that. Um, And they can certainly relate to the idea that they're not racist in their head. No white person wants to be racist in their head or their heart. Right. So convincing them that despite the fact that they don't intend to do or be something racist, that there might be a set of psychological and cultural and social mechanisms that make them uh, make different choices than we want them to make. I think they can understand that.
0: Hey, Yo, internets, this week's episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you specifically by Spotify Discover Weekly. Spotify Discover Weekly is a weekly playlist curated just for you. Every Monday, you get a brand new, unique playlist personalized to your exact taste. Go to Spotify.com slash Discover Weekly right now to get your playlist. If you like what you hear, let us know at Combat Jack Show or at Combat underscore Jack on Twitter. And don't forget that you can listen to the combat Jack show on Spotify mobile too. at Spotify Discover weekly. And now back to the show. So you talk to a lot of people because I'm pretty much um, pessimistic when it comes to like changing people's like hard rooted, hard baked, hardwired attitudes with when it comes down to what you say, the value gap, that white lives are in a sense, more valuable than than black lives. Exactly. You speak to a lot of people, I man. Have you, have you seen results where you've convinced somebody that's been on the other side of the spectrum? Say, hold up, wait, we might we might be thinking of seeing this wrong.
2: I think it is um possible right. that people um I think it's possible that people can um imagine the world differently and challenge their assumptions. I think it takes a lot of self critique, a lot of self analysis, a lot of honesty, a lot of courage. You gotta deflate the ego. The and, ego. You know. And then and white privilege is a hell of a drug,
1: man. It's, it's a religion.
2: Yeah. Exactly, and it, and it's a worthwhile, it's a it's a profitable one, right? right? It's not just that it's something that you're used to and that you don't know anything different than. It's that the world works for you. You went you up, <laughs> you know what I mean. And so <laughs> you uh, you always up, right? So it's all like, the way up, all the way up. So so you're so you're you're actually giving something back, <laughs> right? And so it's also a material sacrifice. And so I think you can convince people of that. Just like people have become less homophobic over time, people have become less sexist over time. I'm saying individual people. I'm right. not making the claim that society is less. I'm saying people, individuals, can do that work. But but my My freedom dream and my vision for justice and change is not to one by one convert individual citizens. It's to create a new way of seeing the world that maybe the next generation will appreciate more and that the generation after that will appreciate more. I think that's the long term vision for me.
0: You know, I've joked on Twitter, man, that black people across the globe, man, we need a whole new PR campaign, man, because our PR campaign is fucked. The fuck up, man. Like, how do we get, like, media to even, like, from the news media to to across the board? Like, how do we implement that shift where we have a better media, a marketing campaign, man? Yeah.
2: Well, we got to own it first. Yeah. We got to produce it. I mean, at no point can we expect... um, Someone else. Someone else to produce and define our reality.
0: Even though this is an American issue. It's not just a black people's problem. It's Absolutely. an American issue. White people suffer because of the schism.
2: Absolutely. And and, and the, the schism between rich and poor, between black and white, etc. Um, is one that's rooted in some, some fundamental tensions and some fundamental contradictions of America. Uh, it's our job to undo that. Not because we have a greater responsibility than other folks. It's just we've always been the ones that have been America's conscience. We've always been the one that have led America to new and better directions. We've always been the ones that have courted democracy in ways that they haven't and i want us to just keep doing that work just because not again not because we have to do it but because we're the best people equipped to do it
0: right and we have to do it too. and we have to do it because right. you know that shit is getting tired but yeah let me ask you man um are we seeing is you know i don't know the statistics but are these incidents of um of uh, state sanctioned violence against black people um is it on the rise I mean, because we've had cameras now. Yeah, Ever since Rodney man. King, we've had cameras. But not like now. But we see, not like now. But okay, even and you talk about it. You talk about you know um, even during the, the initial you know period of uh, President Obama's presidency, you know the the Dr. Henry Louis Gates incident, oh, where he yeah. was arrested, was seen as anomaly. So we already had cameras. Like, is it is it the cameras or is it is shit off? You
2: know. I think it's cameras. I I don't want to think that. I refuse to believe that suddenly cops just started whooping our ass in the last couple of years more. I think they whoop our ass as much as they've always whooped their ass. I think now we just have access to more information right. because the, the cell phone has become more pervasive. Right. Damn near ubiquitous. I mean, yes. everybody got a phone. Snapchat. Yeah, Snapchat. Everything like Facebook Live. We saw a brother uh, tragically killed by the state. When you have all that stuff, th- there's more surveillance. And if there's more surveillance, you're just going to catch more people. I think that's why pe- people – because people people keep saying, why do cops keep doing it? Well, they keep doing it because that's what they do. They've that's what they've always it, done. Right. And, you know, until it becomes normal for them to get caught, they're going to keep doing it. Right.
0: Um, and we, I think we've had this discussion before. What's happening, particularly with the police, a lot of people are saying that the system is broken. The system is broken. But I see it as a system operating the way it was intended
2: well, that's to it. operate. We have to say.
0: I mean, that's a whole other. That's like really getting into, like, the matrix.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a radical.
0: Like, the Morpheus view of, like, this is really what it is.
2: Right. And that's why we need a radical reframing, right? Right. Reformists say the system is broken, let's fix it. Mm -hmm. Radicals and revolutionaries are saying the system is working, let's break it. It's efficiently working. And let's break it. Right. My goal is to break a system that's working, not to fix a system that's broken.
0: You talk also about Mm -hmm. gun laws Mm -hmm. um, and how um, with this whole, you know, stand your ground thing. Like, we are are now in this mindset of uh, the true man doctrine. Um, This culture looks unfavorably Mm on anyone that retreats from any type of potential danger from another individual. But does this doctrine apply to us? Obviously, it doesn't. right? That's
2: what's so fascinating, man. The same people who advocate, advocate gun laws and, and gun um, rights and individual, you know, individuals' ability to defend themselves and their property. And then they say, well, the body is a castle in and of itself. So, you know, stand your ground. And even if you're away from the creation, the castle doctrine, you can run away you ain't got to run away or the true man, doc, you know, it's almost they're saying it's unmanly to have to run away. Right. That ain't for us. Right. When Marissa Alexander is shooting popped in the air in, in Florida,
0: popped in the air, not yeah. even at anybody. Right, right, right. A warning they,
2: shot. NRA ain't they defending it. Right. You think you think of, if, if anybody had a right to pull out a gun and kill somebody, it was Trayvon. Yes. Right? He was one being yes. pursued and stalked.
0: Stop. And he had a reasonable, a reasonable reasonable, man standard to believe right. that his life was in danger.
2: And in a standard ground state, he should be able to pull out a gun and shoot right. George Zimmerman. But if he had, do you think he would have been supported by the NRA? No. Has the
0: NRA ever publicly supported any person of color?
2: They, they, they offer tepid support for Bruce Alexander right. later. Right. Um, and they will support you sometime. But in general, it's this is about white men's rights. Yes. And that's who they support.
0: You know, and what's depressing about this, also, man, is you—you you look at America, you look at the DNA of America. Do you think we'll ever come to a period? I just came back from London, mm. and I was fortunate enough to attend their Black Black Lives Matter march. You know, standing in front of like the American Embassy, and just even seeing how the city, even though it was uh, inconvenient to the city, we shut down the city. The city seemed to, for the most part, support that march. You know, the bus drivers were honking their horns. And even like at the end of the when I left, the cops were so civil. They were like, you know, have a good day, like no, no aggression or anything. Yeah. And and that, and, and coming back to the States, man, the depressing concept that I have is will we ever see a gunless America?
2: No. No, I, I think gun culture is just baked into the DNA of America. I think that.
0: That sucks, man.
2: It does. I mean, I, I think that we can have an America that has a far more responsible and humane position on guns. I think we can uh, cut down on guns. I think we can cut down on gun access. I think we can have reasonable restrictions on guns, waiting periods, background checks, etc. getting rid of straw man purchases through gun shows and things like that. But I think it's going to be tough to get rid of every gun in America or right. even the, the bulk of guns in America. And, you know, I'm a Second Amendment advocate. I mean, although I support. So you re-
0: believe in, 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 in having. I have every- guns. Okay. Yeah,
2: I got guns. Um, I'd be willing to give them up in a gunless America. Right.
0: But um, you're not giving them up until. Right. Because ain't no else right. got one. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yo, <laughs> King,
0: man, you still look into that, that, that situation for us, man? What's that? I, you know what I'm talking about. What are we talking about? Yeah,
2: uh, man. Um, I feel like I'm about to be like uh, we're a talking witness and some shit. We're talking about that off camp. No, 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 no this, is all, this is all this. Is all, I feel like I'm going go, no, no, to go to jail too. Listen, man, man I wanna, I'm,
1: I not, I'm, not inc-
0: I'm not incriminating myself, but at the end of the day, I'm trying to figure out what this, you know, the second right amendment is, and, you know, is and, and, you know, how it applies yeah. to our individual lives as well.
1: And yeah. Which, yeah. It's, it's, it's very important, man.
0: So so, so anyway, talking about it, man. Very so, So you believe in everyone's right to bear arms reasonably.
2: Yeah. I'm just reasonable about it. I also don't have a Because
0: this is America.
2: Yeah, I, I would rather all of us not have guns. But right. I'm just saying, in the, within the context, I'm going to have one, too. Right. Um, but, I also, <laughs> but, but I don't have any romantic ideals about what that means. Like, right. you know, people say, oh, we use these guns to fight, strike up against an unjust government, and the government ever strikes up against us. But that, can, that, that ain't happening. I thought that shit till I went to Ferguson. Right. And I saw grenade launchers and tanks and, you know what I mean?
0: It's fucking lasers. Predator lasers, drones, yeah. Lettered. Yeah,
2: I'm like, man, my little 9mm or my desert eagle ain't going to do shit. <laughs> Nothing. But I can't beat the government with guns. Right, right. I ain't gonna pretend to right. Yeah. So, so is
0: this this new phenomenon also about this heavily militarized America? Like, where are we going with this?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's an outgrowth of the war on drugs. You know, uh, you know, and suddenly local towns became like little armies, and so towns that never had haven't had a murder in ten years, and you go to places like in, in California, where I mean, it literally has been a homicide in this town in years, and and they're being given army tanks, and they have wow. or they have access to like.
0: The body armor they grenades got is ridiculous. And, yeah, and the body armor. Like, what are you armor? expecting?
2: It's bizarre, man. When I went to Ferguson, I was so baffled by how the same town that didn't have a, a, a dashboard camera to see what Darren Wilson did to Mike Brown suddenly had surveillance equipment and, and,
0: Out and of helicopters the and right. drones.
2: and It was just like, where the ah. fuck were y'all hiding this shit? Right, but every town has access to it. And right. again, there was a time in the 80s where it was, where it was like you needed at least requisition like right. major SWAT equipment. But, and Radley Balco writes about this. But as you get through the 80s and 90s and 2000s, it's becoming so normalized that now you don't even, it's not even a big deal. To, for a small town, as asked for uh, major military-style weapons and assault rifles and tanks and shit. And, and as a result, uh, police have become more militarized in the relationship between police and communities. No longer feels like their police, their community policing. It feels like there is they're, no they're community policing that
0: doesn't exist anymore.
2: No, like exactly. let's
0: let's get to it. That doesn't exist anymore.
2: It does not. It does not. And, and part of it is, is the kind of bastardization of uh, broken windows policing, which right. was supposed to be, in many ways, a community based strategy, where right. the community would determine what the needs were, and laws and rules would get made at the local level about what a broken window was and and what blight looked like and how to repair it. But now broken windows became a thing, really, where the police just started to run through and just beat up on the poor.
0: So, so it goes back to my initial point, then. Is it getting worse? Because you, you say you don't want to say it's getting worse. But I remember specifically, I remember in the 80s, walking down the block one day, smoking a joint high as fuck. I walk into this police officer and she's like, yo, why don't you just put that shit out? Mm. And I gladly put that shit out. And I kept it moving. I can't imagine that happening. Yeah, in 2016, and right. that'll happen
2: again. You know, just because of how we treat marijuana. But your point is well taken, right? Um,
0: that that's not happening in 2016, at least in New no, York it's City, not. And,
2: in Brooklyn. And part of it is because your boy Bratton, right. right? Who who resigned? My
0: boy, yes, today, right?
2: Yeah, today, you yeah. know. And remember, he's been here since the age, the age of Dinkins, yes. Uh, first uh, overseeing the transit authority, mm-hmm. and then you know, and then being promoted to the full uh, uh, New York uh, Police Department. Right. And this idea was that if we can address the broken windows, if we can patch up. The well, blight. If we can Urban deal with blight, or, or, or the, the the technical term was was disorder. Right. If we can address disorder, then we can create peace and we can reduce crime because people won't be inclined to commit crimes where you know they feel like it's a, it's a, it's it's not a criminalized space. It's acceptable. Yeah. Right? They were wrong. All it did was end up beating up on the poor, making people trust police less, and, and criminalizing so much more stuff.
0: Why are we so much more policed when crime has dropped rampantly like drastically.
2: Well, well, that's a great question. I mean some would argue Right. that That boot on the
1: neck keeps crime it. down? Yeah,
2: that, that reported rapes are down and murders are down and robberies are down because we police so heavily. Now there's no evidence to suggest that. Uh I would make two arguments. And there's no
0: evidence to suggest that the broken windows policy has led to decrease in crime.
2: Um Is there a direct there's a no nothing direct. It's a complicated that's a complicated question with the more right. complex, slightly more complicated answer. But um First thing, um, crime has gone down and there are a lot of factors that go with right. it. For example, lead not being in the gasoline and in the water anymore, which might sound crazy, but lead, le- the existence of lead contributed to erratic behaviors, violence. I had a cousin days. that was
0: lead poisoned and that and that motherfucker's been institutionalized since the 70s. And
2: that's what I'm saying. So imagine having a whole town like that. I mean, right. Freddie Gray in Baltimore was getting lead checks. Right. So was uh, Caesar Goodson, the, the, the officer who... Yes, who's driving a van. Right. So both of them might be prone to violence. Right. We saw that play out. So there's a way in which environmental factors matter. Um, the women's reproductive freedoms, women being able to have abortions, meaning that women are, are able to not bring babies into the world in economically desperate situations, which often leads to poverty and crime, et cetera. Right, right. So there are a lot of factors we could contribute, attribute. It's not simply that we locked up a bunch of people and crime. People stop dinner.
0: smoking crack. People right. know. People know.
2: Right. Well, crack uh, let's
0: do. not fuck with crack. Yeah, we know what crack do. So <laughs> they're like, no, I'm good on that.
2: But then the second piece is, even if that's true, so let's say crime did go down if you lock everybody right, up. Right, right. That's still not a moral, ethically responsible thing. If I, if, I, if I locked everybody up, I wouldn't have graffiti. Right. If I made everybody ride 15 miles an hour on the highway, we wouldn't have car crashes. But is it a practical and reasonable response to, to a To lock problem? everybody up? No, right. that,
0: you got to get to the root. Right. Like, we got to stop doing some bullshit. Um, I keep hearing, man, I've been hearing for a long time, for most of my life, and I'm seeing it more now, man. Like, like some people are just salivating for this upcoming race war. You know, like, this <laughs> race war. Like, 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 and it, like why are our white brothers and sisters, why are white cousins so... So hungry for a race war. What the fuck is that, Mark?
2: Well, I, I don't assume that most white people want a race war. I think most white people oh, don't want a race war. Okay. But,
0: but, but you who... hear the ones that... I, I never heard a person of color talking about, I can't wait until this race war pops off. Well, because
2: it's more of them <laughs> than it is us. We don't want no race and war. And I know
0: some ignorant motherfuckers. They don't, they're not talking about no race war.
2: Right. Right. Exactly. That ain't the goal. That ain't what we think about. Um, that said, I think that there are some people who feel like they're losing the country. Right. Mm. And they feel like the age of Obama, the existence of all this, these black celebrities and, and millionaires and the, the, the rise of... Prevalence
0: of hip-hop everywhere. Hip-hop culture.
2: And and then you add the Islamic piece to it, people coming in. Uh, there's a sense that, oh, my God, we're losing our country. We're losing our identity. White men aren't able to run the world anymore. And so they want to imagine a different outcome. And they're trying to thwart what they see as a near inevitability, which is that they will become extinct. Right. Um, and... Which isn't necessarily true. No, it's not necessarily true. And I don't want white people to be extinct. I want whiteness to be extinct. I want white supremacy to be extinct. Of course. But I don't want white bodies as such to be gone. I want everybody to exist in love and peace. I just want it to be in terms that are fair and just for everybody and not not just uh, acceptable through the lens and the eyes of whiteness.
0: Mm. Why do you think, man, and you you talked about it earlier about you wanting to write a, a political book. Trump, man.
2: Nah. This, this phenomena of Trump. Trump, the Republican Party got exactly what they deserve. Right. You know what I mean? Like, your grandma would be like, yo, keep playing with that. You're going to put somebody's eye out. Or, right. You know, keep messing with your face. It's going to stay that way, right? Right. There are these warnings we get that if you keep doing something wrong, there's going to be a long-term consequence for it. The long-term consequence of the Republican Party playing with xenophobia and racism and anti-immigrant sentiment and playing to the cheap seats, playing to the racists in their party, even if they didn't believe in those same values— they wanted those votes and they did that and they did that and they did that. And before you know it, you end up with Donald Trump. And now your face stuck like that. Now look right. what you stuck with. You got a Donald Trump who you can't get rid of, who who y'all don't even want. But it don't matter no more.
0: Um, But it seems like no matter how much this guy sticks his foot in his mouth, no matter how, ga- how many gaps he makes, like there's a certain portion of America that's convinced this is the guy. Like, that doesn't even fucking make sense.
2: And I think a lot of it is, is a dissatisfaction with the other option. Right. right. Which
0: is what? To do the hard work?
2: No, I'm saying Hillary Clinton is that. Right. that
0: okay. well, yeah, Right.
2: I'm saying we don't like the Democrats. We don't like Hillary Clinton. And right. so Donald Trump ain't perfect, but at least he's not them. And I want a whole new America. I want a whole new way of doing politics.
0: A whole new? Mm-hmm. Which is what? Like bullying and like just like... Throwback. throwback. They want they want it's throwback a throw- America. Yeah, right,
2: right. A whole new in the sense of different right. than what we got right, now. Right. They want make America great again in many ways make America white again.
0: Right.
1: Mm.
2: And that's what they want.
0: I got this theory, though, man, and, and, and hear me out. Mm-hmm. It's not a popular theory. Uh-oh. But I got this theory. Part of me, yes. Mark, <laughs> wants to see Trump as president. Me too. And why, why is that?
2: Because I think that's the only way we're going to get a kind of radical yes. or revolutionary change that we
0: Yes. Made. So you understand? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You understand? Hell yeah. I mean, when you look at the history of, say, like Germany, the, the Huns have been trying to fucking control the world for years. Right. Until you had the ascension of Adolf Hitler... World War II, and and Germany was forced to sit the fuck down.
2: Right. Now, what we don't want right. is the rise of a Hitler.
0: But we're s- kind of seeing that right. in a demagogue like Donald Trump. Right. I thought I was the only one that wanted to see, not wanted, but imagine the world where Trump is being a positive outcome down the line.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Right. It's crazy. I, I I think that. Have you spoken about this before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one because I'm a Green Party advocate. Right, okay. And one of the arguments I get, if people are always try to intimidate me and threaten me, is oh my God, you're voting, voting for Joe Stein's like voting for Donald Trump. <laughs> and my point is, I, I don't accept that argument, but even if I did, I'm willing to accept that Donald Trump. In the short term, because I think it would mobilize us and galvanize us. Now, if I thought Trump were a Hitler, or I thought innocent people would be mil- murdered and killed, but thought,
0: but that's very much a possibility in his rhetoric and but We, have, further, we that, have
2: to be very careful when we bring up Hitler, because when people hear yes, this interview, yes, they will think that I'm that saying av- that. Yes, right. so let me be very clear: be clear. Right. I do not support the Holocaust. No, it was an awful human tragedy. Yes, that should never the worst happen tragedy. again. Right, it should never happen again. Right. And if I thought that Donald Trump were to produce a similar outcome as Hitler, I, in, in the most literal of terms, I would say absolutely not. Right. So I want to be very clear about that. Um, but what I am saying is, is that if Donald, you're a smart guy, it, man. It,
0: you're a very smart guy. Man. But if but if Donald
2: Trump were to become president and it produced a level of dissatisfaction among the body politic um, that was so, that was high enough. We could then have an organized resistance movement, right. and if the Democrats realize that even we couldn't even beat Donald Trump with this platform, there's a problem because it's not radical enough. Right. Then we got to drag ourselves back to the left. Yeah, that's what we needed.
0: Yeah,
1: man, and and,
0: and it's funny. I mean,
1: King, what do you? What you yeah, that's that's just too much of a risk, though. You said short term, but there's no guarantee that it's going to be short term. It's just like,
0: but but then, do we continue living with the cancer? I get it. That is contemporary. Right. American racism or whatever other ism you want to add to our ills. That's
2: true. Right. The certain the same. Hmm. Um, I mean, the, the truth is, it, you got to get sick. Yeah.
0: If you're not living right, you got to get sick before you get better.
2: And we gotta we gotta get. And life. we're
0: sick, acting like we're all right.
2: Right. And 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 we gotta hmm. recognize our illness. And I think Donald Trump, in some ways, is a mirror to us. You know, he's a he, he can only exist. It's like it's like most said at the beginning of Black on Both Sides, hip hop is us. Right. Right. If hip hop smoked out, we gonna be smoked out, right? right? If um it ain't no giant coming, it from, coming yeah. out, right? You know, <laughs> ain't no giant in the hills, right? So if 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 um, if Donald Trump is xenophobic and racist, and you know, obsessed with market logic, and he's winning, it's because somebody because that's what we care about. We have to change those values, and those of us who aren't sharing those values have to have to organize. It's much easier to organize against Donald Trump than it is against Hillary Clinton, right? Um, and and I saw this in '04 when we were doing anti-war work, and everybody was like, oh, you know fight the war, get out of Iraq, blah, blah, blah. Then Obama comes in and suddenly we're giving him peace prizes and we're still prosecuting wars. It was much easier to get people to organize against Bush than it was Obama. Right. And, but we still the, need the
0: Obama, work. Obama's a cold killer.
2: Right. Cold killer. Right. But nobody. But it's almost as if people thought Obama's drones were somehow warmer and fuzzier than right. Bush's drones. Right, right. And it's like, you in Yemen, as getting in Somalia. You don't care who drones they yeah. Say You don't want no drones.
0: Yo, internets, we'd like to thank Audible for supporting this week's episode of the Combat Jack Show. We love to read a good book, but finding the time to sit down and really enjoy one is hard to fit into a busy schedule. And I know we all got busy schedules, internets. Audible aims to make it easy for you to enjoy books by listening to them on your time. Listen to them at the gym, during your commute, on your lunch break, in the office, anytime you want. Audible.com provides Over 250,000 titles from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazines, and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. The app is free. It works on all Apple devices, even Android and Windows phones. And unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you own your books so you can access your books anytime and anywhere right from your smartphone. Make sure you check out Oprah's Book Club's newest pick, The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. In his sixth novel, Whitehead tells a harrowing story of Cora, an indomitable teenage slave, and her desperate bid for freedom from an antebellum cotton plantation in Georgia circa 1850. When Caesar, a recent arrival from Virginia, tells her about the Underground Railroad, they decide to make a terrifying risk and escape. Matters do not go as planned. Cora kills a young white boy who tries to capture her. Though they manage to find a station and head north, they are being hunted by slave catchers. But here, the Underground Railroad is no mere metaphor. Literal engineers and conductors operate a secret network of tracks and cavernous tunnels crisscrossing beneath American soil. As Cora travels north, her journey transports her across state lines. And along her way, each state... She Visits portrays a different state of American possibility, showcasing a kaleidoscope of communities across the country from a white supremacist enclave in North Carolina to an Indiana black separatist encampment. As readers complete their journey through the Underground Railroad, they can engage online at the book club hub. Oprah.com slash book club. They will also have the opportunity to participate in the book club and answer weekly questions via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Check the hashtag hashtag Oprah's Book Club for more. Read more in Oprah's interview with Whitehead in this September's issue of O oh, the Oprah magazine on sale august 9th. Just for listeners of The Combat Jack Show, Audible.com is offering a free 30-day trial membership. So go to audible.com slash combat today and start your free trial right now. I'm about to start mine right now. And again, show your support for The Combat Jack Show and get a free trial right now. Audible.com slash combat. And now back to the show. What What are your concerns with Hillary?
2: Um. There, So there's layers to it, right? Concern. One concern is, is she going to do what she says she's going to do. Mm. What is the relationship between her record and her platform, mm. her history and her claims? And th- because of her support for many Clinton policies that I find troublesome.
0: Clintonian.
2: You know. Fraconian. Hmm. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, when I see that, when I see welfare reform with three strikes or Prison Litigation Reform Act. Um,
0: you can't forget that. Yeah. You can't forget
2: that. You can't, you know. Um, crime bill, all that stuff. I say, wait a minute. And she wasn't president, but she did, she was a policy advisor, a key policy advisor, right. and she advocated for many of these things. Um, she talked about super predators herself, you know, echoing John Diulio, who I talk about in the book Nobody as well. Um, and so it's hard for me to lose sight of that because it makes me wonder how she sees us. Right. Right.
0: And, and is she too comfortable knowing that there's a certain segment of Black population that love them some Clintons, man, regardless what the facts are.
2: Exactly. And so that means that when she's in office and there's no public accountability or scrutiny over the, over the three and a half, four years she's running uh, running the office, um, will she be who she says she is? But then there's a second question for me, which is ev- – or second issue, rather, which is that even if she's exactly who she says she is, is that what I would want in a president? Mm-hmm. Again, my answer is no. Hillary Clinton, for me, represents – what we call a neoliberal Democrat. Uh, Neoliberal Democrat. You know, she is market-driven. So this idea of privatization is important to her and Obama and and Biden and such. Her foreign policy is way too hawkish for me, this idea. You know, as somebody who advocates for Palestinian people, for example, um, her stance on Israel I find to be deplorable. Um, It's it's,
0: it's, it's the same as as, as usual. Yeah, business as usual.
2: The problem with business as usual is Palestine is still occupied. Right. Uh, that's a problem.
0: It's still atrocity. It's like...
2: What happens in Gaza every single day is is a human atrocity. Right. We got to do something
0: about it. Yeah. What'd you think about Bernie?
2: I thought Bernie was on the money with economic issues. Mm-hmm. I wish he had a more articulate racial justice platform. Um, but if I had to choose... If Bernie were, were in the general election, I would have voted for him. Right. And I don't typically vote Democrat. I would have voted for Bernie in the general right. election right. I thought he was close enough to what we needed to get something done.
0: At the end of his term, man, his second term, man, what are your thoughts overall um, on President Obama?
2: I think that very few presidents can run the American empire like like Barack Obama. I think he, by, by the standard of empire, he was great. By the standard of, of American presidents, he, he did a fine job. I mean, uh, he did a lot. He did a lot. But I have a different set of politics. Right. So
0: you ran it the American way, but that's yeah. not necessarily the best way.
2: Yeah, he ran empire as well as anybody right. could. You know what I mean? But I don't want an empire. Right. I, I want to operate against the empire. And to that extent, I would say he's been like every other U.S. president. Right. You know, profoundly mediocre. And
0: and and mm. so what I think about Obama, and I, and this is not necessarily a compliment, but I, I liken him as the Jay Z of presidents. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like smooth. You know he's he's you know he comes from that Chicago school of politics, so he's a he's a killer. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But he makes it look so effortless.
2: And he clean, he, he and he's got
0: that gloss. You you almost you still root for the brother, even though you
2: know he's kind of the bad guy.
0: He's the bad guy. Yeah, Jay Z
2: right. sold drugs, and right? Still talking about opulence. You know what I'm saying? And right, right. And and that's how I feel about Obama as well. Right. Um, you know what has happened in um, what has happened in um, uh, in in the middle in Syria? What's happened in um, Afghanistan? What's happened in Libya? Um, has been, what's happened in Somalia, what's happened in Yemen. I mean, it's been awful. Uh, the lack of attention to poor people in the United States and poor black people in particular has been has been atrocious. You know, policies like My Brother's Keeper are interesting, except they're not actually public policy. That's right. philanthropy. It's private money. Right. Again, private interest trumping the public good. Um, so there's some smoke and mirrors with the Obama administration I think we have to think about as well. Right. Um, again, Apples to apples, is he better than George Bush? Of course. Is he right. better than Bill Clinton? Probably. Uh, yeah. Is he better than Jimmy Carter? Absolutely. Is he better than Ronald Reagan? No doubt. Is he better than George Washington? I mean, like, we go down the
1: list.
0: People he say he'll kill in, in, in the history books down the line, he'll be noted as one of the best presidents we ever had.
2: I think he'll be noted as, as, as certainly uh, the, the, in, the, in the top tier. Right. Um, but that ain't saying much. It ain't saying much, right. They'd <laughs> like be the best player on the Knicks. Right.
0: <laughs> Kings what up why King
1: you, why you say the Knicks, though, man.
2: I'm a Sixers fan yeah. though. exactly
0: but, but, you, but you know you know King gets mad when you say anything about the Knicks right? <laughs> I mean,
1: you do recognize that the Knicks ain't shit right uh, before, prior to the forthcoming season yeah sure
2: you think they're gonna be good this year hell yeah absolutely what's which, which, which it gonna be y'all gonna play like injury bingo with uh <laughs> that's a cop bro. I put my money on ACL <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got Derrick Rose, keep Noah. Jesus Christ. Agent Carmelo Anthony. Uh, and who else y'all gonna bring on? You gonna bring on Greg Oden you got Brandon Jennings. Brad Dowerty, Greg Oden. Who you gonna bring <laughs> on next? Oh, yeah. Jeff Rulon. <laughs> like
1: shit, Nick's Mixtape.
0: Yo, um, is Blue Lives Matter a threat, man?
1: Mm.
2: To what?
0: Just just in terms of progress. Like that shit is... I mean, I get it. I mean, I... Cops get killed, right? I still don't see it as a major threat because if you look at the numbers, it's, 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 it doesn't compare. It's, it's, yeah,
2: and it's, it's fairly steady. It's, somewhere between 54 and 56 cops die a year. Right. Compared yeah. to
0: like the 300 plus that died, black people that, that were killed at the hands of police last year in 2015. We don't even have the full number for 2016
2: yet. Right. It's crazy. And so I, I think 360-something
0: 3, That's almost At one, least. At least. crazy. Yep,
2: yep. We have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to be able to say, look, we can mourn these police officers who die in Dallas or at least acknowledge that their lives are of significance and that they're human beings and that we didn't want them to die. Right. right. We can do that. Yes. And still talk about state violence, still right. talk about Mike Brown's and Eric Garner's and Manisha McBride's and Mia Hall's and so forth. We can, we can do both, you know, but somehow it seems like we get killed and a police officer gets killed. And then suddenly we can only talk about the police officer. Dying. Right. And that's the problem.
0: It's crazy because it seems like, uh, police worship has become, you know, has intensified in a religious manner. Like, you gotta worship the police or there's something wrong with you.
2: Right. And, and because we, cause I've never
0: seen this level of police worship before.
2: Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's stunning to watch. Right. Uh, we have to, we all know that the school system is broken. Yes. And nobody's afraid to say that. Yo,
1: schools is fucked up. Schools, school's is school. fucked up.
2: And people don't say, wait a minute. My mom's a teacher. She's a good teacher, or I had a good teacher, or there's lots of great teachers. We say, yeah, great teachers, system's still fucked up, right? I know pretty brave soldiers, military, still fucked up. But when it comes to police... We're not allowed to critique the system. Right. Because whenever we critique the system, they, they make it seem as if you're attacking individual officers. Every of time I say the police force is broken or policing doesn't work or we have a dysfunctional criminal justice, boy, well, wait a minute. You have to love our officers. He they hates put police. their
0: lives on them. Mo- they right. want to get home to their kids and Right, the they make son. it about he you was- hating
2: individual police right. officers. It's right. like, no, I don't hate individual police officers. I mean, I may hate the one that killed Walter Scott running away yes. in his back and then planted a taser on him. I mean, I may, someone has a right to hate that person. But, you I don't hate police. I hate... Bad policing, I hate injustice, and and the police system as it's currently constituted contributes to both. But that's different than hating individual cops. But they don't let you do that. Right. So the whole Blue Lives Matter thing that you're talking about, and the whole kind of melodramatic narrative that exists that that recirculates all the time, is a way of taking our attention away from a principal critique of state violence. Because every time they do that, they make you say, they make you feel as if you're you're you're. you're you're beating up on some poor cop who just wanted to get a kid out of a right, tree. Right. When in fact, you're talking about a system that, that produces a certain kind of subject, a certain type of individual who irrespective of his or her desire is still uh, complicit in the system that, that, that kills people.
0: So where's the good cop? Where's this good cop that we hear about? Cause good cop is not only one that, that, that values all lies, but I would imagine with everything that's going on right now and the momentum and, and everything, everything's so transparent, the good cop would be out there risking Everything that they built to speak about the Ill, ills and injustice of the current police system. Where are these good cops, man?
2: I think some are there. I think some are blowing the whistle on their on their their um their fellow officers. Some right. are uh, not beating people up or, or taking people's money like they did in Ferguson, you know, with regard to excessive ticketing. Um, some are out here working hard in communities, getting to know people. But many are doing nothing. Right. Just like plenty of good people who aren't cops they're just so, following orders we just yeah we just follow orders and we just do nothing as, right. as we die today's james baldwin's birthday oh wow and uh born in 1924
0: and uh so he was 92
2: yeah and he said uh those of us who know the truth and do nothing are worse than the murders higher than our names if we know the truth then we must protect your life he wrote this to angela davis in 1971 when she was on death row he said if we know the truth then we must protect your life as if it were our own, which it is, and render impassable the corridor to the gas chamber. For if they come for you in the morning, they will take us that night. Those did you just did you
0: just, re, did you just yeah. for verbatim like?
2: Oh yeah 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 You know, but but it, but it's a compelling passage, right, right, right? Yeah, and and he says that as a call to action and, and a real and a, and a realization that none of us are off the hook. None, none of us. So it's not enough to just be the police officer that doesn't shoot people. You have to actively work against those who are shooting people
0: on your team. Yes, you got to stand out and, and criticize because you squad. know
2: better, right? If we know the truth, and they, they do know nothing. better. They Lasts, know better, and they do nothing. You know, I, but I, so I, do we. Because this you, isn't about police. All of us, we know the truth, and we do nothing. And that, but makes do we worse. all know
0: the truth, man? I had a I have a friend of mine who's a police officer. Mm-hmm. Never had any issues with him, but two two summers ago having a rational conversation, and somehow the conversation went to Eric Garner. mm And he was like, well, you know, as a police officer, he did pose a threat because he was resisting arrest. And at that point, man, I stopped. Eric Garner? Eric Garner. Hmm. And at that point, I had to stop fucking with him because I was like, like, are you serious?
2: And you trying to get me to date one.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, mean, hey, man, that's a whole different (laughs) thing, man. (laughs) You know, all lives matter when the lights are off.
2: (laughs) Oh, you are hilarious.
0: Yeah. I mean, come on. You can't argue against that.
2: I, I, no comment.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Once that, once that bell comes off, hey, man, all lives (laughs)
2: matter. opinions of combat. Hey, man. Are his and his alone.
0: (laughs) But, but I'm saying, man, like, it's crazy, man. Like, do do we all know? Like, is the guy conditioned to really believe that? Yeah. So he really doesn't know.
2: Part of what police Yeah, but but again, and again, some people don't know. I agree. Right. But those who do have the responsibility. Of course. Those uh who don't, we have to be educating them. Right. Um but even if you don't know there are things you do know aren't okay. The chokehold for example. Yes. Which it's was, illegal. Yeah, it's illegal. And it's been illegal for a long time. And how
0: are you saying it's some other type of hole now? No, it's the elbow lock. There right. Go. This
2: is like, there you, go. Just what the, it, <laughs> you just call it a power bomb. It's still the same, you know what I mean? It's still yeah. the same suplex, nigga. Like, <laughs> like just, <laughs> don't be naming new shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so, so that becomes um, part of the problem, too, right. is that you may not know, have a systemic critique and a systemic analysis, but you damn sure know you're not allowed to choke people out. And just follow the rules.
0: You know what I'm curious about, man. When, when I look at these cops that walk away from the from these heinous acts of senseless, cold blooded murder, I, sometimes I wonder how they really feel. Because I know they're all playing a role, but sometimes I wonder how do they fucking really sleep at night? Have you ever spoken to these cops, man? Have you ever? I, I, or you have no desire to? I,
2: I, I have a desire to. Right. I want to talk to everybody. I've never gotten a straight answer. Right. I've never gotten a straight answer.
0: Like, like, like Darren, maybe not, but Pantelieno, like one of his. Name, I think.
2: I think in his mind. Again, he saw a big black dude and, right. and, and felt like... He had to take him down. He had to take him down. Right. And, and not because he necessarily thought his life was in, in danger. I don't know what he thought, but I, I know that some police officers tell me that it's just an act of disrespect. They don't want to be disrespected. They, ha- they maintain law and order by having a, by patrolling the neighborhood with a certain amount of fear yeah. and inducing a certain amount of fear, I should right. say. So, you know, if, if if you... For example, in Baltimore, Freddie Gray, the chase started because he looked the officer in his eye.
0: Looked him in his eyes and you talked about that number. Right.
2: And it's like, oh, Yo, you, you looked me in my eye? Right. That's you know it's like
0: during slave days you can't you can't look by any eyes right,
2: right? you eyeball at me boy even military mm-hmm. right there's this way in which like you're less than human you're nobody you can't be looking at me and when they do it causes a problem and so a lot of times police officers are policing with that same way so having the audacity to speak back to a police officer or getting pulled over and saying why am I being pulled over will we'll sometimes set a police officer off right and it shouldn't but it does it does yeah
0: tell us about this new VH1 show
2: man man congrats man thank you man VH1 live you know some people. Uh, have been asking about it because uh, they, they're, they're curious to know why I would be doing a, a, a celebrity show or a pop culture show on VH1 mm-hmm. and I said one I just love it Right, I love pop culture I love talking about these issues it's actually what I love to do and it
0: takes away from all this other shit yeah. like, you're not just a one dimensional exactly. monolithic
2: right I really brother. watch these shows I really yeah. listen to this music I'm really in this culture so like for me to have a, a, a window to talk about it is one thing also I want to make late night TV smarter and I want to make pop culture conversation smarter and so, like, on Sunday night, in the, in the show is Sunday nights, VH1, 10 p.m., uh, I had uh, DeLon- uh, Dasha Polanco on from Orange is the New Black, the sister who plays Daya, and I had uh, 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 Brandi... That's Mac-
0: a Latina sister? Yeah. Mm. Yes.
2: yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She, she's right.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I had Brandy mm-hmm. Maxil on uh, from uh, Jason Maxil's wife, the sister from uh, from Basketball Wife. Right. And we talked a little reality TV for a few minutes, but then we talked about voting. We talked about right. Bow Wow's comments about politics. We talked about... Uh, the objectification of uh, Melania Trump and and and, and slut shaming. Right. You know, we talked about a range of issues um, throughout the show. So the VH1 audience who may have come just to find out whether Brandy and 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 Shawnee are speaking and whether they're gonna throw <laughs> drinks on each other at dinner left with an analysis of patriarchy. Right. And so that's my job. My okay. job is to make, um, is to like Nietzsche talked about the you know, the danceable education. My job, my job is to. Is, is to put medicine in the applesauce. My job is to take information that people may not want but get them to consume it anyway and right. ultimately bring them over because, you know, you might not watch me on BET or CNN. You might not know what I bring to the table intellectually, right. but you might watch me on VH1, and then you may decide because you're interested in what I do on TV, you may look up my conversations in another right. network. You might peep this conversation in Combat Jack. You may read Nobody, my new book, and, and, and that's important too. And just on another note because sometimes Negroes just frustrate me, man. I do specials on BET and sometimes y'all don't watch them. Mm. (laughs) You know, well, you should be talking about this. You should be talking about that. Well, I talked about that. this Somebody did did, did, that last weekend. You should be talking about this election instead of talking about TV on VH1. Bruh. Oh, they they coming for you like that? Yeah, and I'm like, dog, I did a BET special this morning. Continue to do, yeah. Every Sunday last few weeks I've done a BET special. Y- y'all niggas ain't watching <laughs> <laughs> you, th- you need to be you should have been watching
0: it you need to shut the fuck up right. So
2: respectfully it, right I'm running I'm literally running out of a burning into a burning building out of a burning building in Ferguson you know ducking bullets literally after the, after the protests and the rebellions that you know in, in two years ago and one year ago and you do a special maybe 200,000 people watch it and then y'all mad when I do a TV show on Beach and bitch one of a million people watch it. yeah and it's not just about viewers and money. It's about saying, I can, maybe I can bridge these two things. Right. But don't get all self-righteous. Like, yo, I...
0: I man, you know, this, mm. is, this is self-righteous age.
2: Man. Yeah, man. Everybody's like, I, uh, I need this. Uh, I need that. Why made you have
0: it Cardi you? B on this show? These nuts, nigga. Yo, right. Oh.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, Cardi B don't got something to say. And she, uh, she She
0: had something to say, man.
2: And when, and, and, when I, and when I sit down with Eric Holder, y'all don't right. watch. Right. I mean that's the crazy thing. See, I, I, I didn't
0: I didn't know you were such a, a consumer like pop culture, man.
2: Yeah, that's what I do. I listen to hip hop all day. Right. I do. Uh, I watch TV. You what are you listening
0: to right now, man? Oh
2: man. Um. So, uh, this last few days I've been listening to uh uh, uh Major Key. Yes. Mm. Um. You know, I, I I already run through the first three to four first tracks because they came out early. Right. The free came out early. Yes. Um. I got the key came out early. Hove kills that. To yes,
0: me. Yes. He he does kill it. You he's, know I mean? he's in his zone. Exactly, He's in a rare zone that exactly. he hasn't been... We haven't heard him in that zone like that. In a that while. In a while.
2: Right, and the joint Betty Wright and, and uh, Big Sean and Kendrick is ill. You know what I mean? But then what I like that came out on the album that wasn't out early was uh, uh, Nas' album, Doug. Nigga. He... No, what? My signature <laughs> I, mean, I threw my laptop off the room when I heard that shit. Nas <laughs> what? Murdered Where did Nas come from? Dog. Escobar. Style. Sam. That's what I'm saying, dog. Like... You think these old, these old heads can't rap no more? They ain't like the back in the day where right. old heads couldn't rap no more. <laughs> Fucking Nas and Holder. They, they're killing these Yo, niggas. Yo,
1: where did Nas come back, B? Dog. How did Nas chin tap Kanye, though? He's,
2: Yo. He said, bloop, bloop. Hit Yo. him on the
1: chin a couple times. It was
2: ill. But then you go to the end of the album, you go to uh, Don't Play Yourself. Right. And with Fab and Joe yes. and Buster and, Busta yes. and, and, and oh, yeah. Kiss. Kiss crazy. starts that shit off crazy. That's what I'm saying. Like, the, the old heads is really rock, killing this album. Yes. You know what I mean? So those those that's I'm listening to that uh, uh, Schoolboy Q album I'm listening to. I don't like it as much as everybody else do. Right. I actually thought the last one and was it uh what's it called? Not Insomnia. What's it's a one word? Uh,
0: I know what you're talking about from but, a couple of
2: years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the new Schoolboy uh, album is uh is is um is great. Right.
0: Have you heard of West Side Gun?
2: West Side Gun, yeah. How you fuck with them. I do. Yeah, Conway. Conway is a beast. Yo, with Conway the. Conway
1: is so disgusting. Yes. Like disgusting. Yes. Disgusting. Yes. Disgusting.
2: And YG. What I was about to say. Oh, yeah. YG <laughs> album, I think, for me, is the best album this summer. Mm. You know, I, it's the best album I heard all summer.
1: Yeah, I just started listening
2: to that. It's ill, right? Because yeah, he's a storyteller. Like a song like "Give Me you Got Shot," you could just relate to that, right? Uh, of course, the singles are joined with Drake, and you yeah. know, and it's uh, such an
0: uncompromisingly West Coast. I still love. I'm not such a fan And big, it's
2: old school West Coast. Old school right. West Coast. Like, it's motherfucking like, like, G it's funk. like G funk, G Funk. That's funk. what it is. Yes, 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 yes. It's yes. G Funk. What'd man.
0: you think of Pablo, man? Um I
2: so I gotta say this first. Like I had a I didn't listen to it for a long time because I was like, I'm not getting titled to buy a fucking album. Right. Just on right. principle. Right. I can afford it. I, Oxymoron was the name of that school but Q, I was looking here trying to remember okay, the name. Right, right. But um but the new joint is better. Um but um I like it. I don't love it. Right. Kanye sometimes doesn't bring bars. Mm. Mm. That album I thought was good sonically. It was sonically it was good, but like, I, I like the late registration Kanye rapping. Right. I yep. like, you know what I mean? Like, I oh, like, or yeah. even like,
0: my dark twisted fantasy was that, he was that, off his. That, that's the
2: fucking chain. Well, That's his best album, right? I think that's his best. album, No, it album, is. Hands it is. Down. I mean, there is there's some debates about that. It, and
0: graduation, I, you could argue those two. Yep. See,
2: yeah, I, I agree. Right. Um. I thought. I thought the combination of music, creativity, um, like the production. The, the sort of out of the boxness of it, combined with the bars of of Twisted Fantasy, was the best thing. Right. He had songs like eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. I mean, you listen to Devil with a Blue Dress or whatever. or Devil in a Red Dress was it? You know, whatever it is. Like, I mean, Ross. It's so counterintuitive when Ross's verse comes. in. You think right. the song is over. Yes. And then he comes in. Right. Shit like that matters. You know what I mean? Monster was on it. Power was on it. You know what I mean? Blame game. all that shit was ill. I, I that's the yay I like more. So you
0: hold them to we 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 need to hold brother Kanye to a high, absolutely yes. high
2: lyrical standard. Yes, you know what I mean. And then and I'm hearing Dre. Uh, now I'll tell you something. I've been listening. I like all the shit Drake has been doing on mixtapes and freestyles. I like the four four people in Casablanca. I like all that shit. Right. Um. Um. I I got Gucci new album too. By the yes. way, I
0: just I just downloaded. It's it.
2: actually you got some. Nah, some, some I, yo, I
0: was am- amazed to see Gucci in the New Yorker the New Yorker magazine this week. Crazy. Did you see
2: that? No, I didn't.
0: You didn't see that? Um, what's his name? Um, uh, I forget the... the, the uh, can you pull it up? So you posted it. Yeah, he's he's in the New Yorker, man. What's his name? Uh, He's the, the brother that used to write for New York Times.
1: Jason
0: Blair? No, 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 no. no. Uh, I, I want to say it's Khalif. It's not Khalif.
2: Oh, shit. Yeah, so that's exactly what you're talking about. Because he, he was on CNN, too. He wrote a um,
0: nice piece on Gucci, man. He's a good he's a, yeah, good he's a good writer. Especially real good, good hip-hop drummer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me ask you this, man. Let, let's wrap this up, man. Um Top five television shows of all time. Mm. You have your top five television shows of all
2: time. Can we count cable too? Everything. The Wire is number one. Okay. Greatest TV show ever made. And just as a side note, season four of The Wire is the greatest season of television okay. ever made.
0: Uh, I got to argue with you about something about The Wire. And, I, and
2: we'll get to that. So go ahead. Bro, this might I be a conversation this, if you No, Wire no, this no,
0: is your top five, and I respect your top five, but I got.
2: Okay. Uh, uh, I love Lucy. Lucy? Yeah. Might be the, oh this is a uh, is it Khalifa Senna is that the dude's name? Yes, is that his name? Yes. And um, Lucy. Why Lucy? I mean, I get it. I mean, it's 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 the template for most comedy. Sitcoms. Yeah, if you watch anything from The Nanny to Martin to I mean, so many of the of the comedic tropes, so many of the storylines are are I love Lucy and you've seen it a million times. Right. But I love Lucy. Uh, for me personally, The Golden Girls would be in the mix. Mm. Uh, Breaking Bad would be in the mix. Yes. Um, I've never seen The Sopranos okay. so I can't, I can't right. I'm, I'm can't. Abstaining. It. Right, right. Um I've heard it could be in the mix that's what right. I'm saying but I, I don't it kind of
0: it, kind of, it, it, it didn't bow
2: gracefully I okay. thought but. and I said the Cosby show yeah
0: good okay so this is this is the argument like <laughs> I was with you with The Wire being the best piece of television ever mm-hmm. until I saw Breaking Bad so, so hear me out hear me out Ugh. I think they're in, so different they're so different but I think in terms of culturally relevant cultural importance like significance like the show that will stand the test of time in terms of grit and 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 and, and what it brings to the table is the wire
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's but they the smartest it's a
0: but but breaking bad when i you know i thought it was just better television in terms of the entertainment value and how they took that intelligence of that show and took it to a different direction so i my thing and it's not necessarily popular but i always say that breaking bad kind of edges out the wire by a nose you know
2: what it's like it's like choosing between jay and andre 3000 i feel like it's like neither answer is wrong you can right. make a great argument right, right. For either. Yeah, yeah. um if i if i had to watch a series over and over again i'd rather watch the wire
0: right
2: because i think every time i watch the wire i uncover new layers it's and layers, nuances right. and connections You're like oh dude from episode season one new dude from season you know what i mean um and it was also such a, a brilliant analysis of society as is breaking yes. bad yes um and also it favorite
0: character on that show
2: on, on wire uh oh God, that's a tough one i'm gonna say without thinking too hard bubbles
0: bubbles why bubbles man bubbles was always he was he was he was he, the was, best. Was, he was trying to come up he was trying to come Bubbs, up
2: bubbles was the best character was the best person on the show there was <laughs> not was a decent human being the on best. the show other than bubs right if you think about it McNulty was fucked up right uh, uh, obviously the, the, the uh, Omar coming. Omar, Omar also was a decent uh, human being. I loved Omar, man. Right. <laughs> Omar, Omar was. A, Omar is the most significant character. Yes, he, he and Idris's character, um, mm. Stringer, were helped us reimagine masculinity. Mm. Right? You know, you got you got uh, you got uh, Omar through his sexual practice and his sexual identity, complicating the idea of masculinity because he's a thug. Everybody's scared of him, right. but he, same sex desire. On the other hand, Idris is a thug. But he reads books. I mean,
0: Try, trying to trying to get that college sheen yeah. on him.
2: When McNulty walks in his apartment after he gets killed, and he sees his well decorated apartment, he looks on the bookshelf and pulls out Wealth and Nations. He's like, he said, "Who the fuck have I been following all these years?" He literally could not understand who he. What Mark right. Anthony Neal talks about that in his book, Looking for Leroy. He said he had an illegible masculinity. I can't even read this motherfucker. I don't know who you are. So those two characters are powerful for mm. me. The reason I like Bubs is because Bubs is the only one who's redeemed at the end. Right. Bubs Bubs felt bad from the beginning. Bubs. Went back to drugs because he felt bad. Bugs felt guilty when his white boy homie kept getting caught up in the capers. Bugs kept trying to get clean. Right. And at the end, Bugs is the only one who's redeemed fully. Ah, uh, I got to go but back. But is the only one who's whole again, right? right? I mean, he's the one who he gets clean. He's working for the paper. They get that newspaper story about him. He comes upstairs eating, eating dinner with his sister. He's pieced together his family again. He's off drugs. And the death of um, the boy through the overdose by accident, yes. you know, made it, he died so the bubs could live right it's it's a it's it's, it's like a jesus story right, right 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 i mean it's powerful when you think about it like yeah. i love i mean i i love uh, uh i love um my man uh uh, uh jamie uh hector plays the character uh M- Mar- oh marlo. yeah marlo marlo's a, but marlo's a sociopath yeah he's right? yeah you know i mean marlo's a, i mean they all prop joe is deep yes but but he, at the core he's he's a, he's a thief he's yeah he's a
0: that's awesome. what marlo came to say right.
2: you, you can't change any more than i could right, right? they all got their little things is cool but but Bubs to me is the mm. hero. He he's the hero. That's man. interesting, man. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: Man, once again, man, thanks again for stopping by the show.
2: Man, not, not you know I him. always love stopping by the show, man. Y'all y'all my dudes, man. Whenever y'all want show. me. Everybody, VH one live. Right now we are Sundays, ten PM. I think we're gonna go to two nights a week starting nice. in a in a week, and then we're gonna go five nights a week soon. Nice. nice. So, um, but ten PM, Sunday nights, VH one. And by this book, y'all. It's called Nobody, Casualties of America's War on the Vulnerable from Ferguson to Flint and beyond. They think we don't write and read books, man.
0: Buy nobody.
2: Buy nobody. Go on Amazon. Go to your local bookstore. But right now, you probably listen to your computer. Go to Amazon and buy nobody.
0: Download it on your phone, Internets. Come on.
2: Yo, because they really don't think, like, they don't even print copies of a lot of authors' books because they think if it's about black people, we won't buy it. Is we, that,
0: that that's still, I mean, but
2: is that kind that's of That's the same true? challenge Hill is it, is had, is it, yeah. Is it kind
0: of true, though? Like, it do we not, be. Do we not do we Have we seen a decline? And the only reason, I mean, I like to read. Yeah. But what keeps me reading is, 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 is brothers like you that keep coming on the show with these books.
2: And and, and, and I stay I stay well read. And I appreciate yeah. that. And then we got to keep supporting these books. Yes. Because if just you read it and you read it, they ain't going to make it. Right. right. Now, internets
0: pick up nobody, man. Yep. Dr. Lamont, Mark Lamont Hill, man. Thanks again, brother. Appreciate look you, look forward to seeing you again, man. Continued success, man. And yo, man, these girls are saying you bay, man. Be careful out here. <laughs> Be Let careful them know. out
2: here. Let them know I'm good. I'm out here working, man. I'm just fighting for you, freedom. You're telling you tell me what's up. You listening. I, I'm just saying I ain't got time <laughs> to do much else but work these days, yes. man. I'm staying out of trouble, and,
0: and, and Trump for president.
2: <laughs> Jill Stein for president. Jill Stein for president. Yo, King. Yo.
0: What's up, man? I,
1: episode. Right? We got more
2: work to do, brother. got more
1: work to do. I mean, you more know, it, it doesn't ever end, man. And can y'all stop talking to that Meg... What's her name? Megan Kelly? Uh,
2: oh, man. She on Fox, man. I ain't, I ain't seen... It? I saw her this week at the RNC, but oh, I didn't see, but I ain't, I ain't been with Megan.
1: You still years. talk to Bill, man?
2: Nah, I didn't talked to Bill in a couple years, right. man. Shout out to Bill O'Reilly. Maybe we can, <laughs> I can go on the show, talk about this book.
0: Yeah, definitely. Listen, Internet's man, you know what it is, man. Dream those dreams and man, up, yeah. woman up and live those dreams because a life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Oh, um... We're gonna be in August. I mean, in in in, in uh, Atlanta. Ooh, this ATL this, baby. We're gonna be in Atlanta. What, what date? August thirteenth. August thirteenth. Who was our guest? Ed Lover. And we're, legend. Ed Lover is as a as as guest of honor. Live yes. the Combat Jack Show live in Atlanta. Yeah. The thirteenth this week. What else are we um, doing out there? What else are we doing
1: out there? Um. Oh, shout out to Sean Fallon. Sean Fallon is DJing. DJing our event. And then um. And then we back in New York. There you go. And then, oh, the Afro uh, Afropunk. Afro yes, yes. Okay. The Loudspeakers uh, Lounge. Yes. And then, you know. Dr. Lamont
0: Hellman, Love salutes, you, man. man. Love you Continu- man. Continue success, yes. man.
1: All right? All right, Out.
0: Baby. Yo, Internets, thanks again to Bevel supporting this week's episode of the Combat Jack Show. Bevel is the first and only shaving system created for people with coarse curly hair and sensitive skin. Invest in a razor and shaving system that does more than keep your hair groomed. Invest in something that'll take care of your skin. Go to GetBevel.com and use promo code COMBAT to get 20% off your first month. Again, go to GetBevel.com and use promo code COMBAT to get 20% off the first month of your Bevel subscription. Stop shaving like a wimp and shave like a boss. And now back to the show. Hey, yo, internet, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, CombatJackShow.com. We got a really special guest right here, a very special segment. I'm really excited about this. Um, I look forward to gaining a lot from, from, from this conversation and I hope you internets gain a lot as well. We have Miss Tanya Rapley of MyFab Finance.
3: Yeah, she said my last name right. Well
0: yeah. how do people pronounce your last name?
3: Rapley. Wrong, Rapley. Man. Yeah, that's terrible. That's yeah. ter- there's no E behind Thank the rap. You. Phonetics. People don't. Yeah.
0: So we met uh indirectly via the internet. Um, I was ranting recently about um, just the state of affairs with black America. Um, black Lives Matter, you know, all of these, Kate, Freddie Gray case, all of those cops walking. And I have this theory, you know, I mean, it's not my theory. I think it's a general theory that in terms of us finally turning things around so that black America lives right in America, mm-hmm. um, it has a lot to do with, how we move the power of our finances, absolutely, individually and collectively. So I was ranting and raving about, you know, you got to put your money where people want your money to be, you know, they don't love us, you know, put your money where they love us. And I was ranting about Black Bank specifically. Uh, Siobhan Drew, I think, added you to me, and, yeah. and 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 it came up that you had just recently put all your money in a Black Bank or some of some, your, yeah, some I'm still testing your, it out. Okay. But I moved a significant amount over. And then the more I found out, the more I found out that you are a person that helps individuals break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck, you're kind of like your passion is finance. Yeah. So you know what? You you introduce yourself. What do you do?
3: So I am a certified financial education instructor. Um, Overall, I say I'm a change agent because uh, I got into personal finance with the desire to change people's lives through their finances. Because if our money doesn't move right, we don't move right. Right. Um, And we're not moving right. We're not moving right. You know, and even if we have money, we might not be moving right. But I just saw so many of my peers. I'm a millennial. I fall into that bracket. And I saw so many of my peers living like they weren't going to age and living Mm -hmm. like they weren't going to have to retire one day. And, I mean, that was my own wake-up call as uh, I was living YOLO. I was just out here not putting money away. Uh, My credit was terrible. And uh, my little sister had a moment and she checked me and she was like, I mean, you too grown to have roommates. And I was like, and um, it was because my credit was bad. And so that's why I started my fat Finance. It was my own journey. And I wanted the Internet to hold me accountable for improving my financial situation. But then other people started sharing it because um, my bachelor's degree is in public administration and my master's is in urban affairs. Where'd you go to school? I went to Florida International and Brooklyn College. Okay. And so I got my master's at Brooklyn College. So I didn't think that I was going to do anything finance related. Like I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I left because I did not want to work in a bank because most people who live there work in the banking industry.
0: Is it because finance was a bit intimidating or?
3: Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. So that is my story essentially is uh, I struggled with math growing up. I was not the person who was, you know, at the top of her class when it came to math. I love geometry, not geometry. I love geography. Um, and history, social studies and everything that didn't require me to um, count and add up formulas. And so I ran away from it in my own personal finance. I was like, you know, I suck at math. I'm good. I'm just going to be bad with my money. But one of the things I realized is you don't have to be good with math necessarily to be good with your money. Right. And that's the biggest thing that I teach at MyFab Finance. You don't need a fancy degree. You don't have to be good at math to have a handle of your money and make better decisions. And you don't same. have to
0: have, like, a Stella uh, a salary or income to be good with your money?
3: I mean, the, if you don't properly manage your money when you don't have a lot, you're not going to properly manage it when you do have right. a lot okay. at the end of the day. Um, it's about creating those habits and understanding what your long-term goals are in investing in those. So how
0: did you individually psych yourself up to jump into this? Like, how did you, like— like, how, because because most people don't do that.
3: Jump into teaching finance, or jump into my finance. Jump, jump into your finances. I was working at a nonprofit in Brooklyn, okay. and there were women who had been dancers, um, ballet dancers, actresses on Broadway, um, and they were living off their social security. And we know what Social Security is. I mean, some women, they were getting maybe $700 a month, but their rent was 675 mm. And so they had $25 at the end after paying bills for the remainder of the month. And I saw what happens when you don't plan for your future and you just let it happen. And so for me, it was like either you're going to plan for this or it's going to happen to you. Right. And my parents were both military. So they are set in their financial future. And I was like, I want to live comfortable like they live. Right. And if I don't get my stuff together, I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to be you know, begging on the corner for sardines
0: or working at McDonald's.
3: Have you ever seen an old person work? At McDonald's? Yeah, I
0: mean, you see some old I'm people like working ages at these, in there. these, these service,
3: but oh, definitely yeah. bagging groceries. Right. I've definitely seen, you know, older, mature adults bagging groceries.
0: So would you like, what, how'd you get off the roller coaster?
3: I started with my credit. So most people who started following my blog early know I improved my credit score by 130 points in 18 months. That's how I got started. Understanding how credit worked. And that's the thing. A lot of us just don't understand how these things work. Credit is not that challenging. You do not have to pay someone to repair your credit, even though it's a really popular industry now. But I just went to the Internet and started researching. So I got my master. So I'm, I'm a master researcher. I can research almost anything and find it. And so I just started researching how do I repair my credit? Started sending off letters. Um, started understanding utilization and the importance of just because you're paying a credit on credit card on time doesn't mean it's going to increase your credit score. You have to keep that utilization below 30%. So I just started playing with the game of credit and improved my credit score. And I was, you know, I was like, I don't look like I have good credit, but I have amazing mm-hmm. credit. And actually, my now husband, we started working on his credit. And then that's when I realized, like, oh, I know how to do this. Mm. And that's when I started helping others with it. And then we've graduated to debt. So now my big focus at MyFab Finance is helping people eliminate debt from their life. Mm. Because too many of us are comfortable living in debt. Right. We're too comfortable borrowing money and um, living above our means and floating with credit cards. So
0: Why is it that Americans do a great job at wrecking their finances?
3: Because America rewards wrecking your finances. I mean, essentially, um, we have, as Americans, we aspire to be something that we assume is the American dream. Right. And that might not be within our financial means at that time. And everyone isn't given the same resources to attain that. So in order to make up for not having those resources, we take out debt and, you know. We start to create debt. And before you know it, you're behind the curveball because they'll keep lending to you. And we don't realize that just because they lend to you doesn't mean you can't afford it. Right. But they'll continue to lend to you. And so I, I think that's why. I mean, and we don't understand that if you have debt, someone owns you. And that was a realization I came to. Um, started my business and I, you know, I took out some, you know, Debt to start my business and invest in my business. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, if I wanted to stop working today, I couldn't because I had to pay them. Right. So let me pay them off just in case I want to start working. So you today. paid off all your debt. I'm working towards working, paying off okay. my debt. Yeah. I'm, it's different when you're an entrepreneur and you're planning for that um, versus if you have a nine to five. So,
0: you know, my, my biggest problem with the educational institution in America is I went to some great schools mm-hmm. and I don't, for the life of me, I don't understand why we don't teach financial literacy in schools. Why Why is that? Is that is that by design?
3: To an extent, I think it's by design. I you know I get into a lot of... Um, so I'm kind of on the unpopular side of that argument because, yes, you can teach people financial literacy in elementary school and middle school, but it's like I liken it to someone is teaching you how to cook. They give you a recipe book, but they don't put you in the kitchen. Right. You don't have anything to cook with, so you don't really understand how to cook until you're working with these ingredients. And that's kind of the same. We can teach kids about money, in high school or middle school or elementary school, but if they're not actually making money and they don't understand what it is to manage their money, then it's not going to be as effective. But I do think we need to prioritize it in college. And, you know, I had to take out some student loans before I graduated and they give you that exit interview, but it's really the simplest exit interview ever. You really just click a few buttons. Like, yeah, I understand. I'm about to pay all this money back. But they really don't someday, go into it. Someday. Someday. I'll get to y'all. Until mm-hmm. six months Sally later May. after graduation. And they like on your neck. Sally,
0: mm-hmm. stop calling me. Yes. And you Yo, like, who you is this? You see that chick Sally, tell her you didn't see me.
3: Or you're you know, you're out at dinner with your friends or out at brunch. And then you're like, what's this number? And you're like, hello?
0: Oh, you answer those numbers?
3: I, I mean, I learned <laughs> not to after right. I had a debt collector make me cry. Really? back. Why did make you cry? Mm. My life was in shambles. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, well, you shouldn't have made those decisions. Why and, are you allowed
1: to speak like that to, to You know
3: that's crazy. You know, I was actually um I had moved back home after college during um during that time and my mom got on the phone and was like, Listen. Hmm. You know, and she didn't ever call me back. But you know, they they're technically they're not supposed to talk to you like right. that. It is illegal for them to talk to you like that if anyone is being harassed by so, 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 by a debt so Internet,
0: If if somebody harasses you, even if you're the wrong in the wrong for not paying them, can you report these yes, people? Yes, you definitely you can. can. <laughs> that is an
3: abuse of right. the debt collection practice. Okay. And, I mean, I don't want to say anything wrong, but I know if they call you after a certain amount, of, they can't call you after a certain amount of time.
0: Like like what? Like after 9 o'clock or something? I believe
3: something? it's 8. eight I o'clock. want to say okay. it's after maybe 7 or 8, but can, it's in the evening hours they call when you're spending weekends? time with your family. No. There are parameters around right. when they can contact you. And, actually, you can have them reported and you can challenge the debt. And, you know, as a result, you might be able to get it removed from your credit report. Okay. So, um, yes, they have laws oh, yeah. they have to abide by. And, yeah, that was. I, it was a low so, time. Let me ask
0: you some practical questions. If somebody's out there, they're young, they got a great job. How much should they be putting, setting aside from each check?
3: <sighs> that depends on their responsibilities. Right. So, you know, for example, me. I don't have any children. It's just me and my husband. So I'm able to put away a lot more money. But I would say try to save at least 20% of your income. But if you cannot make that 20 percent, put something away, even if it's $50 a right. paycheck, even if it's $10, start putting something away. It's about creating that habit. In a
0: shoebox what kind of account?
3: <sighs> shoe, okay, so I have several yeah. accounts. Yes. I, so I have uh, a really short, short term, which is money that I keep cash on hand. And then I have a short term, which is I keep it in one savings account. And then I have my larger savings, which is kind of like I don't really ever plan to touch that right. unless absolutely necessary. Um, so you can keep your short short, you know, accessible to you because that's if something happens, and you need cash quick. But I would recommend putting it in an inconvenient savings account. So not the account that is connected to your primary checking, checking institution. Right. Uh, Because a lot of people, they start putting money away into a savings account connected to their checking account. And then as soon as they run low on money, the first thing they do is pull up the app, um, hit the transfer button, and transfer that money over so you're not effectively saving.
0: So what's an inconvenient account?
3: An inconvenient account is one that it would – you can't do it immediately you can't transfer that money immediately so there would be a lapse in time and hopefully you'll think about it and say you know what i really don't need this purchase as much as i thought i needed it or by the time the money shows up you're like you know what i don't even want them shoes
0: right. anymore what about people that work um in say like the entertainment industry and they don't have a uh steady income it's peaks and valleys how do you advise them to put their money away what to, what, the, what should they do with their money
3: you still need to be put away money for emergencies. I right. mean, I think it's even more pertinent if you don't have a regular salary because you don't know what's going to happen the next month. You don't right. know if an invoice is going to take too long to clear. So you still should be aiming to put away that 20% of whatever 20, so you make. So 20% is a rule of thumb. 20% is a rule of thumb. I mean, if you can do more, do it. But 20% is the rule of thumb.
0: What about other ways of generating income? For, no. for like, like like Can you give us some examples of how... I mean, we're so, in
3: the age... I feel like if somebody can't figure out how to generate income, they're just not trying. Right. Because we're in the age of the sharing economy. So,
0: so give us an example of like if, if somebody's out there and they're listening to this show right now mm-hmm. and they're struggling, they have a job or maybe a job doesn't pay well or they're in a career that doesn't pay them consistently. Mm-hmm. Give, them, give them some examples of how they can generate other streams of income drive Uber.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, you can, a, a lot of these companies now have delivery services. So you can, um, if, on your time off, when you have free time, you can deliver for um, the Postmates. I think it's one of Instacart. You can deliver for them. I know quite a few people who do that. Um, Airbnb, people are making money. People are making a living off of Airbnb.
0: People rent apartments and then they rent out their apartment
3: on Yes, Airbnb. if you have an extra room right. in your place or if you have an extra room in your house, you know, you can rent. I know people are probably making a killing in Philly right now during the convention, renting out space in their house. So um, you can rent out what you have. I mean, selling things. One of the things is I think people don't realize that they're more qualified to do stuff than they actually own. Right. So if you have something that you're being paid for at your job that you could apply outside of your job, that is an easy way to make additional money. I had a woman, I have this class called financially preparing to be your own boss. And I had a woman come through there who was writing grants for um, her job. And I was like, you're an exceptional writer. Why aren't you offering this service, editing, writing, and editing for other people. And now she has a few writing clients, and she yeah. edits for people on the side. But there are things that we do in our day-to-day nine-to-fives that we could do for others. I and have, I, I just do want to say I wrote a blog post called 100-plus ways, 100-plus ways are side hustles to earn extra money to earn financial find, where goals. Can we, where can we find that? At myfabfinance.com. com. It's on the front page right now. It was a okay. really popular blog article. Okay. But there's over 100 ways that you can make additional
0: money. Okay. What about people that find that they're way too inundated with debt? Is bankruptcy ever an option?
3: Bankruptcy is an option for some. Right. Um. I have to admit, I have worked with clients. So I'm like, you know what? I don't know how we're going to do this. Right. Um. There are times when people are just over their head in debt. Um, and there is life after bankruptcy. What are the pros
0: and cons of bank- bankruptcy?
3: <sighs> the pros and cons, Um. well, of course, it's going to affect your credit. That is a con. It's going to affect your credit. But. The pro is that you can, after that bankruptcy is discharged, they are willing to offer your card almost immediately. Right. Um, you discharge yeah. that debt. I think there's a lot more of the emotional shame of going through bankruptcy because because it it's pops up. It's not a long term stigma, and if you do go to apply for a mortgage or something, you know, it, it most likely will come up in your history. But it, after it gets discharged, you know, basic creditors or you know credit cards, they won't necessarily see that. And so,
0: and how long does it take to get discharged?
3: I believe bankruptcy is. Seven to ten years. Seven years I I've heard. Yeah, seven to ten years. I I don't advocate for bankruptcy, but I understand it is something that people might need, and I actually have a team of finance people. So I have a bankruptcy attorney that, if someone wants to consider that, I recommend them to him, and he's a black man, awesome, and helps people figure it out because. There are things that make us feel bad about doing or make us feel ashamed of doing. Right. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do. do what you got to do. You got to right. climb up from under that debt right. and make a plan to not get into it. Because again. there's
0: some people out here that are struggling that are that are, that are being smothered
3: mm-hmm. by debt. And like if you can't sleep at night, if it's affecting your health, you know, do what you have to do. But make sure you speak to someone who is qualified right. to talk on that. Don't just like research the internet and be like, you know what? Don't just I'm knee go, jerk, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go file bankruptcy without understanding the implications and understanding how to rebound from it.
0: What's the importance of banking black?
3: Investing in us. Um, so I've been having this conversation with a lot of people, and I was talking to Siobhan about it on the way over here. So many people are just like, yeah, we're moving our money to black banks, but are we checking the interest rates? You know, Are they going to loan to us and so-and-so-and-so? And it's like white institutions have not been treating us fairly. Did you do that much research about white institutions? And it's really important to invest in those who are invested in our communities. Um, it's not the only solution, but it's a start, and I think it helps us recla- begin to reclaim our economic power and our collective power. There's something to be said about when you go to the bank that I switched over to. You go to their website, it's people who look like you, and you know that wasn't necessarily a marketing team. That's right. just who it's not, they yeah. are. They're, they're not marketing you, right? Yeah, they're investing in our community, not just trying to get some of your money. Like this is, they were built to serve you. You weren't just a casualty or someone's like, oh, we'll, we'll take their their coins.
0: So what if you live in an area where you have this 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 you, you you have this notion that you want to bank black, but there's no local black bank this
3: is two thousand
0: sixteen so 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 what's that mean like, yeah you, because, <laughs> because the reason why you're here is because we don't know this
3: yes my, so there is um there are several that are online, so right. luckily a lot of them have improved their systems, and they are they you can bank online um there are some people who have reservations about not being able to go into an actual bank right
0: but like how do you get your money when you bank online?
3: You get it with a, you, a debit card and okay. if you have direct deposit. A lot of them do have technologies where you can scan your checks via your phone. Um, I I have not banked at a standalone banking institution in over six years. Really? Yeah. So um, not,
0: n- none of the chases, none of the, the, the cities, none of that?
3: No, I have a credit union because my, okay. my parents are both military, so right. I'm with the, I was with the military right. credit union. And, you know, I am not impacted negatively by that. Actually, I get my money quicker than my husband who was at – Wells Fargo. What is a credit union? A credit union is a bank that is created where they um, repay the dividends to the shareholders. And so it is one that they tend to be more lenient and lend to their members. Or mm-hmm. If you bank with them, they tend to have better interest rates if you bank with them. Um, and they're more community oriented than the banks that are, you know, their for profit.
0: Is it Can somebody just walk off the street and join a credit
3: union? Some of the credit unions, well, their barriers are lower for credit unions. And so some of them, you might have to have a family member who's a part of it. You might have to work at a certain, um, so you might need to be part of a union. But there are some, I know I was doing research, there was one in Philadelphia, you just had to donate to the Red Cross in order to be a part of it. Um, So a lot of them are lowering their barriers to entry, and they're a lot easier to bank at than you would think. But the black banks, you know, you don't need to jump through any hoops. To start investing in them.
0: It seems like um, if you look back in history, it seems like uh, when we had no options, we uh, banded together more with regard to our financial power. Would you agree?
3: Yeah, I feel like that's happening now. I feel like that's happening now. I feel like we are exhausted. You know, we've rioted. We are marching. It seems like every time you turn around, we march in. Right. Um, we're gathering and nothing is happening. We're still getting killed at these, these rates that are just absolutely disturbing. And so I think that right now people are realizing we need to reclaim our economic power because, right. they, first of all, we, we as people of color, black people in particular, we our buying power is tremendous. Right. And we keep investing in these institutions that have no interest in protecting or serving us or standing up for us. They can't even issue a statement when something happens. But we continue to spend our money at their, at their locations. And so I think we're realizing, like, no, we need to protect our own and start investing in our own and um, building those who want to serve us. So think, I'm, there's so many of them. I think it's kind of like I'm happy about it, but are, I want to be a little more organized, too.
0: Do you think integration hurt our, our economic power?
3: You know, I was listening to um past episode when you asked that. Uh, I have um, mixed opinions right. about that. I think that integration mentally, I think integration um, really messed us up. Um, Because it gave us this false sense of equality. And belonging. Yes, that doesn't exist. And it also made us, this is where debt starts to play into. We started to try to buy into what they had. We started trying to buy our acceptance in this white society. Um, So I think it did hurt us. Um, Yeah, my mom probably upset about me saying
0: that. Hey, I mean, you got to call it. You gotta, I, I, I'm <laughs> With a, her being from the South, you right. know, she, my mom was born she, in the 60s. She, right. she
3: was like, she's from South Carolina. She's like, nah, we fought for that. But, um, you know, it's really unfortunate, and you know, being from North Carolina. So I graduated from high school before, like, I was the last year before they ended desegregation. Um, and the schools now are that separate but equal situation. <laughs> and um, the school I graduated from lost so many resources. Really? As a result. It's crazy, right? Top athletic programs in the country. We had an AP, um, international baccalaureate program, and we lost all that. And now the school definitely has somewhat fallen from its glory as a result. So I have seen the negative effects of.
0: So if somebody wants to get some advice, Mm -hmm. do they reach out to you directly, or do they go to your blog? Do you do you do you privately help people get their financial affairs? In order,
3: I'm going to be honest. So I got into this business to change lives. Yes. So when people come to me with questions, um, one thing, I don't, I, it doesn't matter how big I am or where, um, what people might see me on, I respond to my emails. Because if people reach out to me, there's something going on in their life that they at least need an answer on regarding that. So I try my hardest. Me and my team try our hardest to respond. They can reach out. They can reach out. I, can't, I won't take them on as a coach because I'm working on um, larger products that allow me to serve a larger group at right. one time. But um, if someone has a question or they don't know, I definitely have no problem pointing them to a resource or whatever, because I got in this to serve my people. I am unapologetically black and unapologetically here for black people.
0: Unapologetically black dollar. So,
3: um, yeah, so they can reach out. My website, MyFabFinance, and there's a contact us page, as well as my email address is floating around the Internet. Because I definitely got emails. Did you put it out there? Like, how?
0: Did you put it out there?
3: Um, they usually probably just email my booking thing. Like I'm gonna get to her somehow. Um, but we respond, you know, we, we definitely respond. Um,
0: Booking. So you do a lot of speaking engagements.
3: Yeah. Um, I was on the cover of black enterprise 2014 and that prompted me to add booking to my bio. My little sister picks on me about that. So
0: at this point you have no worries financially.
3: Um, right now my biggest worry is understanding growth strategy as a business owner because, I come from public service, a public service background. So business was like, well, I just got thrown into it. So everything that I read, everything that I listen to is focused on growth strategy. And that is my concern. It's growing my business to a scale where um, it's sustainable in the long term, where if I'm sick for a month, I'm not losing any money. Right. So right now I have to work for my money right. and I'm working on more passive revenue. So financially, I'm secure, but if I had to stop working for a year, you know? Damn, a
0: year. That's that's pretty impressive. Well,
3: and now I'm looking at... I can't stop working for a
0: year. (laughs) I'm
3: looking at... I want to stop working for a year. I'm working... We're we're about to start a family, so I have to... Everything is geared towards planning for that.
0: What books should we read to get Um, us on the right track, to inspire us, to get that fire in our belly, to take control of our finances like you did?
3: Favorite books. Um, There's this book, One Page Financial Plan... I like that book. It's actually by Carl Richards. Um, he work. He is the he draws. He's like a an artist and does financial planning by drawing. Um, but it's really simple. So for someone who's like, I need to create a financial plan, how I do it. That book is really simple. Um, Dennis Kimbro. Dennis Kimbrough. Yes, I'm losing the not, title. Not to think of, of
0: rich book. grow. I think it's of rich. grow rich or black choices. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. He, I know he wrote that, but
3: yeah. That- um, Dennis Kimbrough has um great books. And then um, one I love is the energy of money. Mm-hmm. The energy of money is really important. And I think a lot of people start their financial journey in the wrong manner because they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to start with my finances. But have you addressed those underlying issues that you have with money? Have you addressed what you learned during your upbringing and that affects how you handle your money and how you think about money in your life? Because so many of us have negative associations or experiences with money and that shapes how we deal with money. So you can learn about your credit. But if you don't address your relationship with money, you're going to have money issues.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of a lot of us have a bad relationship with money, right? We
3: do. I mean, you've seen your parents. You know, some of us have seen our parents struggle. Whether it is they were doing extremely well and then they lost it all, or your parents were just always scared to lose it all. Your parents never had. Um, all of us have our own relationship with money, and I don't think we understand how important it is to get down to the bottom of any issues we have with money.
0: Are there any financial therapists out there?
3: Yeah. They're there financial it's, therapists. It's actually in an entire practice dedicated really? to it. Um, I actually considered going back to study that. Um, but I'm more interested in cultural anthropology at this point. But there are financial therapists out there who can help you. But really, you can – some people can do their own therapy. You just start asking questions. Why? Right. Why? Why? Whenever you come up with an answer, ask yourself why. Whenever you come up with another answer, ask yourself why. Why would I do this? And one thing I like to tell people is – think about your most favorable experience with money growing up and your least favorable experience. And those usually will tell you a lot about why you're doing what you do with money.
0: Okay. Um, Last bit of advice for the internet. What would you you tell the internets out there about how to get on that path right
3: now? Get started. And if you fall off the wagon, just get back on and do it and start over. Um, You're never too old to start taking control of your finances. I think, A lot of people believe, well, I'm just too far beyond repair. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. Credit, even though it's easy to destroy, it is relatively easy to build. And it really is about just getting started and making that choice that I am over being a financial victim and I'm ready to take control.
0: No, you're right. Seven years ago, I I vowed to get out of debt. Mm -hmm. And I had a windfall. And I got out of debt in three months. I was out.
3: That's amazing. I, I was out of debt.
0: I'm in a shitload of debt right now <laughs> because I'm that in is... so much fucking debt right now.
3: And I just want to say that don't put a bandaid on your finances right. without dealing with those habits and those issues. Right. And that's one of the problems with people who get credit repair It's like, OK, you go get credit repair and you have amazing credit. But now that you have amazing credit, you can buy a whole bunch of shit. I like, a, you can I buy a big ass house. Everything. I bought
0: a big ass house.
3: Exactly. But you still didn't deal with those issues that got you that, you know, contributed to bad credit right. in the first place. Right. And so, a lot of people just put a band aid on the situation, so they can just go buy more stuff instead of figuring out how did I even get in this position in the first place, and how do I not get back into it?
0: Tanya, where can we find you on a, on, on social media?
3: Well, on social media, you can find me at MyFabFinance um, everywhere as MyFabFinance, and um, you can find me at MyFabFinance.com. And I also want there's. Uh, Are you there's, on Instagram? I am on Instagram. What do you?
0: you you just show your money. What are you doing on Instagram? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, Are you uh, you laying on a bed of money.
3: (laughs) You know what? That might be a good photo. (laughs) Um, no, actually, like the affirmation cards that I gave you guys, I post those. People really love those. Um, just reminders, just reminders. A lot of people go on Instagram for you know clothing inspiration, what just to see what people are doing. And I want my Instagram feed to be like the wait, what you doing? Like think about. What you did with your money. One of my favorite ones is um, think about like the how you spent your money today. or think of every time you spend your money, think about is this contributing to my goals or is it taking away from it? Right. And I feel like when someone sees that, they're like, wait a minute. I need to think about this at least today. And it stops them from debting for that day. So I post a lot of reminders, um, updates on what I'm doing, where I'm speaking of. Someone wants to attend. And I make a lot of freebies, like a lot. Does it bother
0: you that you're making a lot of freebies? Like no. I could be cashing in on
3: this. No. like huh? I am so blessed. And I feel like it's because I give away so much. Because I'm just so generous with my time. The more time I give, the more time I have available to me. Right. And um, I'm really big on energy and what I'm putting out there. And uh, so I give away a lot of free stuff. So you can go and get um, a, I have the financial checkup to see how you're doing. I have financial questions to ask your spouse. I have a student loan guide that's like a 12-page guide that I created. I have a free ebook, Seven Life-Changing Money Tips. So a lot of times I'll post that as a reminder. Just know that this stuff is free.
0: Last, last question. Um, you, we talked about, you, you talked briefly about this book, The Energy of Money. Mm-hmm. What is the energy of money? Why do we call it currency? Like, what's, what's, what's that about? Currency. Currency is electricity, right?
3: No, currency, currency is. Currency is how
0: things flow, right?
3: It's energy. Everything is energy. Right. Money is energy. And if you look at money as something that, if you look at it as something that's not available to you, it is not going to flow into your life. But if you look at it as all outlets are open and available to receive money and all the blessings you have due to you, it begins to flow. And I saw that even when started my business, um, I entrepreneurship is hard. Like yes, it is. When you get started, it, it's me, hard. it is hard. And the first couple of months, I wasn't in the right mindset, and I took two months off to reprogram myself. And I promise you, like now I get about three to four opportunities a week because I just expect them to flow into my life. Reprogram? Like what? What'd you do? I started meditating better. Right. I learned about affirmational prayer. Um, I reprogrammed how I thought about the opportunities instead of saying, "You know what? I don't, you know, right, let me check my inbox. Probably ain't gonna be nothing in there." I'd be like, "You know what? When I check my inbox, there's gonna be an opportunity in there, right. or I expect opportunity today." Right. So by saying currency, you just set off that wave. Of, you know, it bounces and it comes back to you. It bounces, it comes back to you. It bounces and comes back to you, and so
0: so don't be stingy with money.
3: No. Okay. So you don't be stingy with money, but create
0: boundaries. Tip properly.
3: Yes. Tip properly, but create boundaries, too. Don't become the ATM for your family and your friends. Of course not. But, um, yeah, you give what you can and give with a giving heart. Right. And when you give with a giving heart, it's more likely to come back to you. In multiple ways. And not might not necessarily come back to you financially. It might come back to you as, like, extra time off at work or, time is you money.
0: know, time is more valuable a free than money, trip right? or
3: something. It might not be actual hard cash, right. but it'll be something that you needed in your life.
0: Where's your next vacation? Where's your next vacation spot going to be? Cuba. Cuba.
3: I'm ready to go to Cuba. I'm ready to go to Cuba? Yeah.
0: The dollar's strong over there, right?
3: Uh, Cuba's expensive because Europeans have been going there for a while. Ah. So Cuba is expensive, but... Um, I want to go. I feel like I romanticized Cuba to an extent. And that could be me being, you know, the children of military parents who were definitely anti-communist. But I have a desire to go to Cuba. And when my heart has a desire for something, it means that there's something there for me. Something's calling you. To experience. Yeah. I felt that way about Ghana. You went to Ghana? Yeah. I went to Ghana Ghana? for my 30th birthday. I need to go to Ghana. Ghana is amazing. Um, Ghana's calling me. You got to go then. Yeah, it was calling me. I was like I cannot and I you know I was traveling to these European places and I was like you know what? I'm not going anywhere until I go to Africa. Yes. And I went to Ghana and that was a remarkable experience. But I'm going to Cuba and I love um I went to Cartagena, Colombia last year and just interacting with Afro-Colombians mm. was really powerful because I, can be, I was like they look like my cousins from Florida, South Carolina. <laughs> like this looks like my family. I was so shocked. Because Colombians, when you see Colombians in the media, there's Sofia Vergara. You mm-hmm. know, that you don't see Afro-Colombians. And it blew my mind. And there's
0: a lot of us. A lot,
3: of, a us. lot of us. A lot of us. There's a gentleman, his name is um, Alex Rocha. And he travels back and forth between here. He has a school for the kids and um, like the, the hood of Cartagena and teaches them English because he understands how important it is for them to learn English and open up their opportunities. And he took us around all, all throughout Cartagena and just let us experience like the black Cartagena and it was amazing. So Cuba, I hope, would be a similar experience. I'm putting it out there.
0: Well, Tanya, you've been great with your information and your time. Thanks thanks for coming to the Combat Jack Show Internet's Tanya Rapley, my Fab Finance.
3: Yes, I'm all I'm available if people have any finance questions. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. No, you're pretty Did thorough. You get
1: the Did, you
3: the Did I talk about banish the balance?
1: We didn't because you asked a specific question
3: about Yeah, I have a free debt repayment challenge and course. Okay, yeah, we helped um, we paid balance. off $200,000 in like banish, eliminate
0: and, and what's ba- what's banish the balance? I I keep hearing something about banish banish the balance. What is that?
3: Banish the balance is a free debt repayment course and um, challenge that I created because once I said you know we're going to change our story, we're going to eliminate debt, and debt doesn't have to be part of our story. I wanted to show people how. So this helps them prioritize their debt. People can understand. Um, What to pay off first based on the type of person you are, what payment models or repayment um, model works best for you, as well as what to do once you paid off that debt. Should you close the credit card? What should you do? And so it was an eight week challenge that we did. We've now condensed it into a self-guided course and it's totally free. We helped um, in 60 days, a little under 4,000 people. We paid off $210,000 within 60 days and people are still paying off debt. And the most amazing thing about it is there's a community. And so we created a, There's a private Facebook group. So when you join, you get access to that private Facebook group. And there's people who are cheering you on about paying off your debt. And I'm like, mm, girl, I'm, you know, not mm-hmm. people who are sour about your progress. People right. are like, yes, someone's in, encouraging it's like, you. It's
0: like financial church, money church.
3: It's money church. It really is. People posting like gospel um, songs in there and everything else. My sister's like, are you okay with this? Because I'm not <laughs> right. overly Christian. So she's like, are you okay with this? But people get what they need from that group. And they, have a community of people who hold them accountable for their goals. And even I go in. So just this week, I went in, and um, every the top of every month, I set, I have everybody set their goals, and I'm like, so how you doing on your goal? How, line by line by line. I'm talking 70 responses. How you doing on your goal? What's up? And um, people are doing exceptional. I think that people just need people to cheer them on. Right. And if they hit a roadblock, they need somebody to say, no, this is how you deal with that, so they don't just quit altogether. So you just
0: hit a point. Like, no matter how – Lonely you feel with your financial woes, you are not alone.
3: Listen, when I tell people I'm a financial educator, first thing is like, oh, I need you to help me with my, you know, overwhelmingly. And no, you're not alone. We all have financial issues we dealing with. We all have financial matters. I mean, capitalism is something serious. Mm-hmm. And um, institutional racism is something serious. And the racial wealth gap is something serious. And we're all living within that. And so, no. You're not alone. The community is growing every single day, and um, it's beautiful. It gives me life. Like I love going in there and just seeing people pay off debt. Single mothers. I, I had a woman. She was like, I had this car sitting in my front lawn forever, and I just decided to sell it and pay off debt with it. And it was just like just helping people make the right decision and um, be celebrated for making that decision. So people can register at banishthebalance.com.
0: BanishTheBalance.com.
3: Yeah, or you can Google it. If you can't find it, you know, look up MyFab Finance debt repayment. Look up My Fed Finance debt. It will come up, but BanishTheBalance.
0: Yo, Internets, once again we gotta thank Spotify Discover Weekly for supporting this week's episode of The Combat Jack Show. Spotify Discover Weekly has a playlist waiting for you with 30 songs you've never heard before that they know you're going to love. There's a new playlist every Monday waiting for you, personalized for your tastes. Go to Spotify.com discoverweekly Discover Weekly right now to listen to your Discover Weekly playlist. Nominati! This episode of The Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow, Engineered by Samir Karan and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Network's production.
4: Hey, yo, combat, man. This is Jay from L.A. All right, I see y'all niggas Charlemagne be out here. Ty's be out here. You be out here. But ain't none of y'all niggas doing nothing out here, man. We ain't got nothing out here. All the podcasters on the East Coast, man, y'all be having East Coast and South niggas up there. Come on, man, y'all ain't, do some LA shit, don't just let tax have a run, nigga, put somebody out here. We need somebody to have LA artists out here, nigga. I see y'all New York niggas trying to hog the game again, ball back in y'all court again, nah, nigga, we ain't putting up with that. Put some niggas in L.A., man. Start a podcast in L.A., find a face, and put a nigga with a podcast out here, man. We need our local artists. We need our local talent, nigga, with a platform. And I know you can do it. And I'm Jay from L.A., man.